Coming up this week, off-screen... Edgar Wright introduces us to Baby Driver... Gru meets Drew in Despicable Me 3... Tupac has all eyes on him... The world is introduced to Okja... Istanbul gets seen through feline eyes... Julian Assange brings risk... We meet a man called Uwe... Harry Mitchell is chubby funny... Brendan Gleeson finds himself alone in Berlin... And there's a heartbreaking visit to a corner of the world... All must come and more, off-screen... This is... This is Offscreen. Offscreen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. I am Case Allen. So, Mr Allen, uh, before we begin, before we get to the film news, the reviews, the box office top five, etc., can mm. I just take a moment to uh, congratulate you on earning your credentials as an utter psychopath film fan? Mm. Because I've never known anybody willingly, of their own accord, sit through, was it Transformers The Last Night? Yes. The uh, Mummy. The, well, Book of Henry. Oh, the and, Book of Henry. And then, and then, then, the, then the Mummy as well. Back to back mm. on a weekday morning. Yeah, and where's my parade? <laughs> 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 no, not all heroes wear capes. Some of them wear flannels and specs, but yeah, uh, and flannels drink, and specs. drink loads of coffee exactly. to get them through. Yeah, it was it was an experience. Maybe I'll talk about it in the podcast extras. Or you because... know, when we get to the box office top five, I think you can talk about two of them at least. Uh, yeah, because there's no way the book of Henry was going to be in there. <laughs> God no. But uh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about uh, two of them. Two of there. them. <laughs> but uh, okay, so uh, let, let's do a bit of news first because we've got to talk. It's, it's, it's kind of uh, we've got to recap some news from last week and then add to it. So. Right. Let, let's do the mm. the Amy Pascal and her and her ongoing job with Marvel story. Okay, you you take that then. This you is hilarious that. to me. Mm. Okay, so we're going to do this in a, in a manner we haven't done for a while. We're going to do an M then. Do you know what we need to do? We need a picture of of Kevin Feige next to her, and then we need to play the Kirby enthusiasm music. It's a bomb, bomb, bomb. That would totally work. Okay, so yeah. the story goes: um, Sony have their deal with Marvel, where Marvel basically make a Spider-Man movie for them, and they don't make. <laughs> any profits for, from it. So you get all them. Make me a film. Exactly. So, yeah. so, right. so there's this agreement, and Amy Pascal, who used to be the head of Sony, is now an independent producer, uh, decided she was going to start producing her own independent Spider-Man spin-offs. And then? Well, and then she hired Ruben Fleischer to direct a movie based on Venom, and she got Tom Hardy cast in the lead. Right? They then announced that uh, Carnage was going to be the villain. They then announced they were going to do a female uh, equivalent. They were going to do something called Silver and Black, which yep. is going to star the Silver, Silver Sable, Sable Black, Black Cat. Um, and it was going to be the start of this whole other franchise that could potentially to a female Spider-Verse. And then? Well, and then Amy Pascal went and opened her mouth and said, actually, these do these do count. These aren't actually in the uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but they are adjuncts to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So Tom Holland is still our Spider-Man. And then? Well, and then Tom Holland turned around and said, well, I don't know anything about that. All I know is that I'm doing three Spider-Man movies, and then I'm doing two Avengers movies, and I've already mm-hmm. done Civil War, so that's six movies. This was also, incidentally, the first time any of us had heard of the idea that Spider-Man was going to be a trilogy rather than Homecoming and Homecoming 2. Well, and then Kevin Feige turned around and said, no, this is nonsense. The only Spider-Man franchise that we're working on is Spider-Man. That's the only Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, and then the, basically the head writer for Fandango decided, enough of this. 
I shall contact A. Pascal directly and I shall clear the deck. I shall yeah, get to the get bottom. It from, from the horse's mouth. From the horse's yeah. mouth, so to speak. And then A. Pascal said, oh, actually, no, it's all been a big mis- misunderstanding. When I said MCU, I actually meant Marvel Comics Universe, despite the fact that that's not a term that anybody has ever said aloud. The idea that MCU meant anything other than Marvel Cinematic Universe is complete nonsense. And. Well, what do you think happened, Kate? Do you think she's been told off? I think she is the Kellyanne Conway of films. <laughs> I think she I is. Said, I, mean, it's, I said that last week, and it's just reaffirmed. Alternative my... cinematic universes, that's what it is. These are just alternative universes. That's exactly yes. what it is. So, yes, they do not count. The Sony nonsense is nothing to do with the MCU. It's nothing to do with Tom Holland's Spider-Man. That's it. You'd think they'd be grateful enough just having a free Marvel movie, wouldn't you? Uh, you would think, yeah. I mean, okay, he's not free. They technically have to pay for it. But, Mm. I mean, come on. They don't have to do the work. They don't have to do the work. That's that's the important thing. Yeah, if a rock star came along and said, you just give me the money and I will do you an amazing album, you'd take that. You Mm. wouldn't then try and release, you know, spin-offs and covers and solo tracks. That's nonsense. But uh, So that's the week in Marvel. Should we really quickly talk about how, how sad it was to lose uh, lose a very good actor this week? Yeah, this happened this morning, wasn't it? Or it was, at least yeah. that's when I found out. Yeah, uh, so uh, Michael Nyquist passed away. And he was great. I don't feel like he got the love that he deserved. He never really. got to be the household name that he mm. deserved. But he basically, he was mm. he was a sort of Peter Stormare, Stellan Sarsgaard kind of a type. Oh, de- oh definitely more Stellan. Very yeah. much of that ilk. Yeah. Oh, like the Swedish thing, I think, helps. Oh, of course, yeah. But um, And of course, I'd forgotten somehow that he was the villain of John Wick. I knew him more for... He was. Girl um, Dragon 2, I think, is his, his, big, his big thing. Well, that was his breakout term, wasn't it? He was a TV star in Sweden before that. I didn't realise that. Mm. He, what, what show was he on? He was on a TV cop series called Beck. And apparently it was hugely right, popular. Like, he was a household name yeah. before Dragon Tattoo. It's really crazy, like, how some franchises in... Like Sweden or like parts of Scandinavia, will go on forever. Oh yeah, you'll just you'll never hear them. Um, the big uh, ginger guy from Game of Thrones, he is in a oh, film yeah. series. I forget what it's called. But is he? Yeah, but there's been like thirty-eight films. No way. Yeah, and he's been in like the last seven. I saw it on his on his Instagram the other day. But it's it's like a whole other world. I can't even remember that guy's name. I just think of him as not. I, I just Flint. think uh, Tormund Giants Bane. That, that's, that's it. That's yeah. his actual yeah. name in the in the show. But but yeah, Michael Marquis, very very sad. Very sad. He was, he was always a great like go-to like Eastern European he was, baddie, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Yeah. But he always brought gravitas to it that made mm. even the most cliched stuff actually feel yeah, like he, he had always wet. like elevated it somewhat. It was like we were saying before, he 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 always was the best thing in no matter matter how bad whatever he was in was, mm. he was the best thing in it. It's the Richard Jenkins syndrome, exactly yeah. that. It's, yeah. it's, it's the Bradley Whitford effect. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's hope that doesn't. This, apply this is not good, but it is better because of this person. <laughs> so fare thee well, Michael Nyquist. We hardly knew you. He was eight um, years since Dragon Tattoo? Yeah, something like that. He was only uh, he was in his late 50s, I think. He was about 56. 56, 56, 56 yeah. But uh, sad times. So, uh, first review of the week, then. Let's uh, let's start <laughs> off strong. Speaking of sad times, for let's, case. <laughs> let's, let's start off strong for you, Mr. Allen. So, Despicable Me 3, which is actually the fourth in this series because we took a, a, a brief diversion to go and give the Minions a prequel movie. Because we needed because that. Because we needed that. We, we needed, needed that, that as much as we needed to know more about Han Solo's origins. Exactly, of course you do. Yeah, yeah we all need to know Same about thing. the castle run. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and then sack people halfway through. <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> more on that later, yeah. Mm. Um, so, Despicable Me 3 takes place undescri- an undefined amount of time after the events of Despicable Me 2. We've done that Shrek thing of there's been a sequel, <laughs> so we've added on more characters now. Uh, so you've basically got Lucy, who is Drew's wife and now surrogate adopted mother to the three girls. Uh, she's having a hard time finding her place as a mother, as it were. Drew, uh, Drew himself, meanwhile, is uh, sacked 
from the anti-villain league after he accidentally lets a villain escape. Said villain, of course, being uh, played by Trey Parker, mm. and he is a former he's about ch- 80s guy, isn't he? He's an 80s guy. He is. Yeah. Uh, he's called like Kid Brat or Evil Brat or something, and uh, <laughs> he's an 80s themed retro character because god forbid despicable me was the only series that didn't lean into this whole retro thing and so Bruce sacked he's down on his dumps um he gets contacted by his long lost brother he never knew existed whose name is drew who is also played by steve Carell, who's a slightly more hyperactive effeminate version of Gru himself but mm. with like flowing blonde hair he kind of looks a little bit like uh fester adams in the adams family sequel <laughs> when he's done up yeah, yeah and he's got the white jacket exactly mm. They own a Buick. <laughs> but um, so Drew, Drew, it turns out, is an aspiring villain, um, as was their their father, who their late father, sorry. So basically, um, because he could never live up to his father's wishes, Drew wants to be a villain, but he doesn't know how to be. So he asks Grew to teach him the ways of villainy. And Grew sees this as an opportunity to take down the bad guy who cost him his job and get his role back. Here's a clip. <laughs> Sweet talker. How is my brother finding a wife like you when he is so bald? <laughs> I'm joking. It's tiring, isn't it, guys? Yeah. Um, like, I I want kids. I, I definitely see myself as being a dad in the future. I think it'd be yeah, nice. But, but, I mean, I, yeah. I don't because it also means that I'll have to sit Watch things this like this. Tribe, yeah. yeah. But you know when that day comes, you're going to go and review all the kids' movies. Anyway, um, right, no, so... Not going to happen. This is a very, very trying film. And I say that as someone, I think Despicable Me 1 is one of the best animated films of this century. I genuinely do. Um, it's in the top 20. Okay. I think it's in the top 20. The first is from me. I don't have uh, right. an awful lot of time for the sequel. I think it's a, it's too far off the point of the first one. I think I remember think, you, you quite liking it, but not being like, yeah, I'm going to see it again. Yeah, it, it, they're not they're not things I will voluntarily ever watch again. Uh, Minions, I thought, was fun in the moment, but it's not a film that you'll go and watch a second time. Um, this is very much leaning into the, the wandering aspect of the second one, where they've really missed the point now. And they seem to think that this book on me is a spy adventure romp. It isn't. It never was. That was The thing of the first movie was it, it had that spy adventure element, albeit in supervillain form, mm. and they balanced it with this really well-thought-out emotional story of, you know, the... the begrudging father and the three orphans and that works really well even and it's a very emotional film the first one the problem is they've gotten less emotional as they've gone on and this i didn't even laugh once to be honest there's a couple of minion chuckles and there's a superfluous storyline involving the minions in which they're all incarcerated in this whole clicking west side story thing um which again seems to go against the grain of what was established in the minion sequel if we're going to actually pretend this has a mythology Mm. But ultimately, I came away thinking this is one. This is what you get when it's part three of a successful animated series, and you are not Toy Story. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm hoping Cars Three kind of breaks that rule a little bit. But uh, I mean, I've, I've heard decent things about 
Cars 3. I have. Uh, but it had yeah. quite a low bar to clear after it, the it second It did. One. The problem is this started off with its highest peak and has descended. Just gradually gone yeah, down. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's really going to be of a particular success to anyone except real hardcore fans. And they're going to be children, let's so, be honest. Either kids or everyone's auntie. Yeah, everyone's auntie on Facebook who likes to post, you know, uh, vaccine mm. memes. Which which is an obvious joke. Yeah. Um, so obviously it was on honest trailers, but it's <laughs> bloody true. It really is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, but no, I, I, it, it's not a patch on any of the other three. And bear in mind, two of those, I think, are a really low bar to set. Um, can we just plug really quickly? Let's plug the podcast. We've also got competitions to do. Um, podcast edition, obviously go on Acast, iTunes, Deezer, TuneIn. Am I missing any of these at all? Um, yeah, probably. probably. I, don't, I don't know what they are, though. And just download the free extended podcast yeah. edition. And if you go on Acast, you get the digital bling as well, which is always fun. Uh, meanwhile, competitions. Go on to yeah. onscreenfilm.com. We're still running a competition for Zip and Zap of the Marble, Marble Gang, Gang on DVD. Such a good title. It's a great title, yeah. isn't it? I've not uh, seen the film, but there I would are see it, sequels. I would see it based on that. There are sequels. Really? Because the film was made in 2013. It's only just been released in, in, in British territory. So they've, they've, had, they've got time. So yeah. they've got sequels on yeah. there. Um, we are also in a competition, as of this week, believe it or not, for The Age of Shadows on DVD. Do you remember the uh, the Korean espionage thriller? Mm. It was really good. It was really something. So get on onscreenfilm.com, enter the competition, win some swag, and see films that are genuinely this good for yourself. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So it's time for the box office top five, which means you, you've got something to do for a change. You're going to enjoy this. That's good. I'll stop just drinking coffee and <laughs> rolling your eyes. Rolling my eyes and having my head in my hand. Okay, so let's have some fun, Mr. Allen. Number five. Baywatch. Which, you, have you seen this now? Did you go last week and see this? Uh, I no, I was going to, and then I just I stayed home and uh, watched The Handmaid's Tale instead. I had a much better time, but, you know, so... so Oh, fair Less boobs. <laughs> Less boobs. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, and, of course, there, there's a lot of boobage to, to Baywatch. Yeah, both, both male and female. Yeah, yeah. Both, and, both, uh, and there's, both male well, there's and boobage female. and buffage, we should say. Buffage, buffage. for dudes, because, you know, Zac Efron is seriously ripped in this movie, like cartoon yeah, there is, style. Yeah, there is no hair to be seen. He's <laughs> smooth, smooth. He's smooth, like a, smooth, like like a baby. S- like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> or seal. <laughs> well, is seal smooth? I've never, I don't know that much about the guy. Uh, let's but, ask uh, Jim and Hansu. Let's ask Jim and upcoming biopic, Seal, a life. <laughs> My life is a seal, that would work. Um, right, but no, Baywatch I really like. I don't understand the hatred for it, but you know what? It's not for everyone. Evidently, this is actually a case where this is one for the fans and not the critics. Mm. I just happen to be one of both in this case. So, do you know what? You will laugh, you will love. Nobody I know who's seen it hasn't loved it. So take from that what you will. Number four. That Pirates film. That Pirates film. Well, the the fifth one of the Pirates films, with more pirates than there's ever been. More there's, pirating. There's more pirating. <laughs> there's there's ghost pirates this time. There's, there's zombie sharks, apparently. I've still not seen uh, it. No, it's, it, no it's, I think it's, I think it's zombie uh, zombie pirates and ghost sharks. Oh, don't care. Yeah, because <laughs> it's going to be really tight about the mythology of this series oh. that nobody look, cares look, at, look at all the cares I have in my, in my yeah. bag. Right there. <laughs> there's a bag full of caring right there, Case. Um, right. We just really wander off the reservoir. Of yeah, um, that's the thing. If you like the sequels to the Pirates movies, you're going to enjoy this because it's exactly of the same quality caliber. I don't, so I didn't enjoy this one bit. I just looked at it and thought, "Good God, we're doing this again, are we?" And oh look, Johnny Depp needs to pay the mortgage. 
Oh, well, one of his nine mortgages anyway. But, uh, yeah, it's just really unentertaining, and I don't care. And I didn't need to an, a PS to the whole Will Turner-Elizabeth Swan storyline. And, nope. frankly, I'd be quite worried about the kind of person who did. Number three. No! Finally. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise's The Mummy. <laughs> Tom Cruise's Mummy. So, Mr. Allen, take it away, sir. Well, it's not good, is it? It's not good. It's not good <laughs> it's, at all. It's just, it's not very good. It's very, it's very bland. It's very boring. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Nick from New Girl is all right in it because he plays, he plays Nick from, from New Girl. <laughs> uh, but it's weird. Because but with military training. Apparently no, because in the first spoiler, a little bit in the first five minutes, there's there's a bit of like a chase and they've got guns. And yeah, no. like these are two guys that are supposed to be in the military. One holds the rank of sergeant. It doesn't look like he's ever held a gun in his life. <laughs> and I'm not talking as the perspective, well, from the perspective of someone who has, but he doesn't look like he would fare well in a fight. No, no, he does not. No, but uh, yeah, he is basically playing Nick, which is confusing because Tom Cruise's character he's is named Nick. Nick. So every time Jake Johnson's like Nick, you Nick, kind of wonder, don't you? Yeah, he's. Just, he's, he's talking about himself and Russell Crowe goes full on Ray Winston he does doesn't point. he yeah he really does Cockney Ray Winston yep. and um, Sophia Patel is actually pretty good she's good isn't yeah, she? Yeah. she she definitely comes off the best but her motivation is mm, I need me a man <laughs> that's her motivation <laughs> she's a strong um, independent ancient Egyptian woman who does need some man yeah so yeah so uh, not good um, and then um, yeah just bad 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 uh, avoid like many plagues number two Wonder Woman. Well, you know what? You're on a roll this week, so please take Wonder Woman away as well. Uh, this is actually very, very, very good. I liked it too. Yeah. Just, it's, <laughs> I did. Yeah. I need to see it again. I immediately wanted to see it again after I finished it. Like, I, I felt really like that uh-huh. Yeah. I just, I felt, I felt happy. I felt moved. I felt entertained. You know, there was there was really nice colours on screen. I know that a lot of <laughs> actual people colour, actual in colour in a DC, DC film. Yeah. And it's, it's an obvious gag to kind of go for, but yeah. Good blues, good blue, good yeah. blues, good blues and reds, dem, dem, dem reds, yep, dem blues. Yep. It's actually Hugh Palette, yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. Chris Pine and Gal Gadot's relationship is great in it as well. It's, like it's in, well in they work really it? well. Like she is obviously tremendous in it, but um, their chemistry is, is great, really good. Number one. Oh, that hurt my ears and also my eyes when I watched it. Transformers, <laughs> uh, the last night. <laughs> Not gonna be the last night, though, is it? I mean, apparently it's the last night for. Michael Bay and and, and Marky Mark Wahlberg but (laughs) for for Cade Marky Mark and the Transforming Bunch I'm I'm an inventor he does he actually gets to say it again doesn't he he? I'm Cade Yeager and I'm an inventor and then Vivian Wembley the most British name (laughs) says oh what have you invented what would I what I've heard of yeah and you got nothing Nothing no, so um, yeah, I'm not going to go for as big as a rant as you did. Maybe we'll talk I'm, about I'm it again. Done. In, in, I'm, I'm, in done, I'm done ranting about it. I'm, <laughs> you, I really am. You've, you've got the demons out. I'm, I'm done. You've exercised everything. You're done. <laughs> I'm out. You just can't care. I'm about out. It. You know what? If you are the kind of person that genuinely wants to plonk yeah. down fifteen quid and go and see a fifth one of these, frankly, you deserve what you're getting. Mm. And I'm not going to try and advise you that you shouldn't. Yeah. You should damn well know that by now. Frankly, I um, yeah, I, I've got one of those uh, magic cards, which means I can go the limitless, many times. Limitless infinity, uh, infinity. Yeah. yeah, So I can I can go and uh, subject myself to three hours of horror as many times as I wish. <laughs> can I just point out though, uh, and I, I, said, I said this to you the other day. This is a movie in which Octopus Prime says the words, "It's all up to you now, Vivian." <laughs> and the movie is so deplorably bad that it's not until long afterwards you realise that at no point did anyone tell him that no. her name was Vivian. I think she just looks like a Vivian. Just looks like a Vivian. So, uh, never mind. Do you want to give me a piece of film news really quickly? 
Uh, yeah, so let's have part one of the Star Wars. Uh, oh, we movies. love these. Oh, we love these. Oh, okay. let's do this. So let's let's kick off with a biggie. Um, obviously, uh, Lord and Miller were axed last week. Last week it was Tuesday. Tuesday it was Tuesday. Week. Yeah. So around, I think when we did week. the show, they had just been sacked. They just yeah. It They'd was just it sacked. was pretty yeah. fresh, uh, and now they uh, have been replaced by. Ron Howard. The director of Rush. <laughs> yeah, the director of The Dilemma. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's The director great. of Backdraft. Oh, we love Backdraft. We love Backdraft. I've, I've actually watched it. I watched it again since last week. I did. I did yeah, too, yes. After our conversation. It's and, okay. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm back on Team Backdraft. Excellent. I am liking it again. I, I do like Ron Howard. He's got, obviously, not... He's got a bit of a sketchy filmography, Patchy shall we say? Record. But you know what? The man gave us Apollo 13, so we can cut him a break for a, a That's good it. while. He, he gave me Ed Harris as Houston. Yeah, exactly. So he can do that. And he seems like quite an obvious choice that I'd never thought about before. Because obviously he's known George Lucas since where we're back. Since doing... Short Pants. <laughs> yeah, since Short Pants. Since Short Pants. Yeah. That's an Anthony Hopkins line as well, isn't it? <laughs> it is, not it Ugh. The last Everything time I saw back. you, I was in Short Pants. <laughs> and maybe Dude. I was a little bit taller. Or maybe, maybe I was smaller. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> his voice is great. Though, no, isn't we're, it? Apply, we're applying that we're implying that there's some kind of fun to Transformers there's, Five. There isn't any. Oh no, there is. Just he's having all of it. Oh yeah. Well, he's laughing all the way to the bank. He literally. really is. He really is. But um, yeah, Ron Howard has obviously been sort of in that world for a long time. Uh, big friends with George Lucas, so yeah. this makes sense, and I I welcome it. Okay, on which note, let us get to the big review. Yes. Uh, because we are pushed for time, we've got to get to it. So, Baby Driver. Mm. Is it Baby Driver? Baby Driver? How are you, what reflection are you using? Uh, baby Driver. Baby Driver, okay. So, starring Ansel Elgort from writer-director Edgar Wright, who's been suspiciously quiet for, ooh, seven years or so. And, uh, six, five, six years? When was I don't know if he's been end? quiet, he's just been working. Well, yeah. Just because he's not released a film for Okay, well, he's been working and quitting. Anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hi there, Marvel dump truck of money. How's it going today? (laughs) Anyway, so Ansel Elgort stars as Baby. He is the getaway driver extraordinaire. He has a slight hearing impediment that he sort of manages to to, uh, tackle with the sustained use of pop music through an iPod. And basically, he's the world's greatest getaway driver. He works for uh, Kevin Spacey and whichever crew Kevin Spacey is working with that week. And effectively, just drives the car at bank heists and jewellery heists, things like that. One day, he meets the girl of his dreams, the lovely Miss Lily James, a waitress named Deborah, and um, he starts to develop feelings for her. At the same time, one of his jobs goes sideways, and he has to start looking for a way not only to get himself out of this life of crime, but also to get Deborah out as well, as she's become sort of inadvertently sort of caught up in everything. Uh, We have a clip. So you're just starting your day, or did you just get off? Oh, I don't know if I ever get off. They call, I go, you know. So what is it you do? I'm a driver. Oh, like a like a chauffeur. You drive around important people. I guess I do. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. Well, aren't you mysterious? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so when was the last time you hit the road just for fun? Yesterday. Oh, I'm jealous. Sometimes all I want to do is head west on 20 in a car I can't afford with a plan I don't have. Just me, my music, and the road. I'd like that, too. So, right, I'm going to say the, the thing I never thought I'd say out loud, which is Ansel Elgort's really something in this. I really liked him. I've liked him for a while. Um, um, it's just, again, he's not really had anything since uh, 49 Stars to really shine in. No. And, uh, this is amazing. <laughs> it's true, yeah. isn't it? Uh, great cast across the board. Uh, Kevin Spacey doing the Kevin Spacey thing. John Hamm doing a sort of very more focused, more vicious John Hamm thing. Um, uh, Jamie Foxx being... 
annoyingly Jamie Foxx yet again. And uh, go on, roll your eyes. No, I won't. My eyes are fine. I'm sorry. I decided recently I don't like Jamie Foxx. What? I don't like Jamie Foxx. You know, I'll give Why? Him, you know, he can have that Oscar for Ray. That's fine. But can we stop having to see him in films? Now? You see, I don't like Ray. Do you know what I mean? And I don't like him in Ray. Okay, this is we're having this discussion later. But I but I like him in collateral. So for for, Ed, for collateral, yes. yes. Uh, for, on Edgar Wright's part, this film is, I think, a mature offering. Directorially, I think he's he's narrowed his focus in a bit. It's far less scattershot than, than he usually is. But his his scattershot nature always works with the story he's telling. Here, it's a leaner story, and he's got a much sharper focus, and it works as a result. There's a hell of an energy to it. I mean, this is frenetic to say the least. It is an example, probably the greatest example of a soundtrack completely powering a film since the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it's got brilliant editing, fantastic cinematography, the visuals, which are all very uh, very pastel, very bright, vivacious colouring, I think really make the film. Um, I like it very, very much. Um, I, I, I do think you kind of have to ignore the whole Twitter, it's the greatest film ever made thing, because it's very, very, very good. Not the greatest film in the world or anything. Don't yeah. I think that it's hype. just it's because of his kind of status of who he is. I feel uh, like a, that a little bit, but I I definitely think it's one of the best films of the year. You think Absol- one of the year? Absolutely. That's fair. I think it's a hell of a ride. Yeah. Uh, I think we have very different tastes. I think December <laughs> when we get to argue the top ten of the year is going to be yeah, really interesting be, this year. It'll be interesting. Like I absolutely. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it that much because I enjoy it that much. I don't. I don't think I can properly explain why I like it. Okay. I'll probably talk about it next week when it's in the box office top five, and, we'll, and I'll when it's number one next. I'll week, have digested my thoughts a little bit better because I've only just finished seeing it. But um, yeah, the soundtrack is amazing. I think the cast was great. I think it's his best film. Fair enough. In which yeah. case, until the top ten, to be continued with the latest film news and reviews. This is off screen. The on-screen radio show. Yeah, you sound like you hate yourself for liking Baby Driver. So, I, I, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, damn it! <laughs> right, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let me talk then about uh, about a man called Uve. Uh, which is a Swedish movie based on the novel of the same name. And do you know what, Case? You, you'd love this. Right, okay, so what you've got is you've got the title character, Uwe, who is a, he's a 59-year-old man, and at the onset of the film, he is let go from his job, his long-time job in a factory, where he's worked for, I think he tells us, it's 43 years. Um, it turns out he lives in a sort of gated community over which he actually helped establish. He was like a chairman of this gated community, like the tenants, the homeowners association, as it were. And he came up with all these rules and everything. And uh, he, he's very stringent about them still to this day. Like, you know, don't walk your dog on the path. Don't drive through here. Keep that gate closed. Very much that kind of a man. The movie literally opens with him going into a two-for-the-price-of-whatever flower offer and then arguing that he should be allowed to just buy one for half the price. And it's a brilliant situation that kind of peppers the, the comedy of this uh, it shows you a lot about where the comedy of the film is going to come from. Over the course of the movie there is a family that moves in across the road from him who he sort of begrudgingly becomes a sort of confidant to they are helping hand to, the, the wife in particular seems to take a bit of a shine to him and takes him on as a sort of uh, would-be pseudo-paternal figure and uh, in the meanwhile as well we get flashbacks to uh, <laughs> flashbacks to his life, what led him to where he is what led him to meet his wife how she mm. passed prior to the events of the film and through all of this is one mission in his mind one mission above all else that more than anything he just wants to rejoin his wife so all of this is going on 
against the backdrop of numerous sequences of him trying to end his own life. And this is a comedy. Right. And it's incredibly funny and incredibly moving. And it's fantastic. I mean, genuinely, I'm just trying to pull up some... I'm going to pull up some details to give you here. Um, so, first and foremost, the, the cultural comedy of it is... There's, there's basically no cultural side to it. It's an almost universally funny film. You could imagine Stellan Skarsgård starring in an English-language version of this, and it would have been exactly as funny. It would have been absolutely hilarious. Um, for my money, I think it's superbly acted. I think it's really well shot. It's got heart. It's got soul. It's well-written. Um, I'm trying to think what the name is. Oh, Rolf Lasgard, Rolf Lasgard, who plays Uwe, absolutely terrific in the lead. And he's, his performance is such that he's able to sell... He sells this character as an outright curmudgeon. But at the same time, it's not that there isn't a heart. It's that he frankly can't be bothered to use it. And you feel that all the way through. It's a very nuanced performance that kind of could be a caricature, kind of could be, could be your standard Bill Murray performance, to be honest. But it works. And that's down to really solid writing. Now, the film is actually, say, it's based on the novel, but it's also written and directed by Hannah's Home, whose work I'm not familiar with, to be honest. But because it so expertly balances the drama with the comedy, it's one of those films that you call a dramedy, and just for once, it actually means it. And I loved it. I came away from it. I laughed myself senseless. I turned around to Johnny Hearn at the end of it and went, that was terrific. (laughs) It really was. And it's it's four minutes short of two hours, doesn't overstay its welcome, doesn't feel too long. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it's time-hopping, it's non-linear nature. Really sold it as a really superb, really gripping, really well-acted film. So, mm. Sounds good. It really is. You should totally check that out. Yeah. But over to you for the film news, Mr. Allen. Uh, what have we got? We've got loads. We've got we've loads. Got, we've got so much news to go through. Um, we've got news but, coming out of our news. But here's some news about just, you know, no one needs a sequel. Nobody, okay. nobody needs a sequel to The Accountant. Oh, no. no. Like, it, it was, it's fine. I've <laughs> it's, just, it's probably the most it's fine film I've seen for a while. I've just thought of well, the greatest title, right? Right. The Accountant 2, The Audit. Amazing. There we are. That's yeah. it. That's totally it. That's right there. Hmm. Maybe that'll be his nemesis, but The Auditor. <laughs> the Auditor, yeah. <laughs> but so I heard Ben Affleck's bag, isn't he? Yeah. Ben Affleck's bag. Is, is it Gavin O'Connor who did that one? Or is uh, it? I think so, who did uh, Warrior. And, yes, um, yeah, because there's Gavin Hood as well, who did Ender's, Ender's Game, isn't there? Yeah, it's not Gavin Hood. Not Gavin Hood. No, okay. I, I believe it is Gavin O'Connor. But yeah, that's uh, that's one sequel. And then there's a sequel that I think would be a little bit more partial to, uh, The Conjuring 3. The Conjuring 3? Yeah. But I thought of, that of was already announced. I, I, just, I don't think it was ever announced, but I think it was more just like a foregone conclusion. We just assumed. Yeah, just like, of course yeah. it's going to happen. Of course it's going to happen, yeah. yeah. Um, James Wan is probably not going to be directing it, uh. he said. Uh, however, um, principal leads are going to be back. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's probably going to serve as like an exec. That's it. I would be happy with James Wan producing. Because yeah. that's what he did uh, with Insidious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, from the look of this Conjuring series, they've got a, they seem to be setting up a good track record for directors. Like, they've got Corin Hardy on one. Yes. I think else is there. But they look like they're lining up interesting talent. Well, I've heard really good things about uh, Annabelle. Is it Creation? Creation, yes. Yeah. Is it August that's it? I believe so. I forget who the director is about, but there's, there's a name there. I'm not well. sure. I know Karen Hardy is doing Ugh. The Nun, isn't he? And I'll Annabelle look, is. I'll look oh, it up. You look that I'll up. look it up for later. But, but um, I would be. Uh, yeah. I'd be interested to see more of The Conjuring World. I have been enjoying it. I didn't like the Annabelle uh, spin off. Well, I, 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 did, I didn't see the, the Annabelle spin off, but I'd be interested in this one. Oh, it's uh, uh, David Sandberg. That's 
that's it. Thank who you. It did uh, Lights Out. Yes. Which was okay. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good. And he's going to be doing Shazam, isn't he? Or uh, uh, should have, would have, could have. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Either Shazam or Black Adam, whichever one. Whichever one. Whichever one Dwayne wants to make first. Well, you, we say that about about me not liking the first Animal, but actually looking forward to the second. Ouija, the first movie, terrible. Mm. Uh, Ouija origin or whatever it was called the sequel prequel yeah thing. it's supposed to be good isn't it? really good really enjoyed that so let's talk about something i enjoyed a lot less and let's talk about all eyes on me oh. Oh. which uh, this is the two-pack biopic are you a two-pack fan case uh, i mean of course i am look at me i mean i'm looking at you with all the bling the shaved head <laughs> that, the, that, the forest green yeah, oxford shirt exactly the, the rag. you know yeah. i'm looking at you man you're, you're pure west side anyway i definitely um, <laughs> i can't even do the hand, gesture. Do the hand gesture is it that it's that. Yeah, so, okay, so Demetrius Shipper Jr., who you've never heard of. Love that name, though. Great, great name, yeah, isn't it? We'll never forget that name. No, great no, name. really. Yeah. So Demetrius Shipper Jr. plays Tupac Shakur, um, who we are introduced to telling his story to Hill Harper, who plays a sort of unnamed journalist, in prison in, I think, 96. Uh, he was in prison for... I believe it was non-consensual touching is the official term. And uh, he basically narrates his story to, for the most part, to Hill Harper's character. The story basically begins in the 70s, about 1975, in which um, Park's mother, played by Denai Guerrera, a.k.a. Michonne, um, is addressing the press after her husband is, uh, you know, her husband, a radical member of the Black Panthers, is being accused of yet another crime, and she basically touches her own pregnant belly and proclaims him to be the second coming. So you're kind of oh, okay. then then flash cut to all eyes on me, big red cross in the background, and a gunshot, and that's mm. the film you're in for for the next two hours and nine minutes because mm. this is a minute into the film, two hours down. Right, so. Flash forward to Tupac getting a start as a rapper, his his uh, platonic uh, friendship with Jada Pinkett, uh, his relationship with Notorious B.I.G. and Sugar Knight, and of course leading all the way up to the most notable thing most people know about Tupac Shakur, which is his death, you know, in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas. Incidentally, a bit of trivia for you, do you know who his bodyguard was at the time? I don't. I was going to no. say Kevon Jenner Wallace, no, no, but no. she was only about 20 You're going to love she... this. Well, Tupac's bodyguard, the night he was shot, who called in sick and, until the end of his life, had this as his biggest regret, was Michael Clark Duncan. Ah, I think I might have known that, Yeah, there you go. But, uh, yeah, he never forgave himself. Apparently never forgave himself. It was all the way to the end of his life. Right, so, uh, tell you what, we've got a clip. Let's have a clip. It still ain't right. I've been on this two hours. Two hours or ten hours. We're going to do this if we get it right. Pot. Chill, man. Let's just come back tomorrow and do Tomorrow this. ain't promised to no man, Shock. Now double my vocals up and make that sound big. This is my music. But it won't line up. It ain't supposed to line up. All right? I want you to feel every stutter, every breath. I don't want this polish. I want it raw. Raise them piano chords. The girl can hardly spell her name. That's not a problem. That's Dude, the music's, music's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, the music's great. Um, what's really hilarious is that because Demetrius Ship Jr. sounds absolutely nothing like Tupac... Uh, looks when they, quite a bit like him, though. Looks a bit like yeah. him. And to be honest, the film is so resoundingly poorly written that you can't quite tell whether he can act or not mm. and whether or not he's been hired just because he sort of looks like him with a puffier face. Um, when they try to sync him up with Puck's actual music, which they, of course, have the rights to because this is fully authorised, what you get, and you, this really shines through in the sequences where they replicate music videos, is that basically it just looks like a YouTube lip-sync tribute. And it has about all the gravitas of one. It is 
a shambles of a film. If you told me that the not one but three writers of this film had solely consigned themselves to going through Tupac Shakur's Wikipedia page and simply checking off in sequence every event that was on it, I'd not only believe you, but I would think it was the only way you could explain a film this bad. It is appalling. I mean... I thought the albums they released after his death were the worst thing you could do to the legacy of Tupac. No, no, I was mistaken. Look at this. I mean, in a post-straight-out-of-Compton world, this is mind-blowing. Oh, and that's to say nothing of the point where they start to involve Dr. Dre. Yeah. And you think, well, you couldn't ask Corey Hawkins to just pop yeah. down for an afternoon? because we've got the same guy playing uh, B.I.G., haven't they? From Notorious, yes. Yeah. Now, they've not got the same Snoop that's in Straight Outta Compton. Now, you sit and think, why not have yeah, some like, kind of synergy? Isn't um, uh, Lakeith Steinfeld, though? I, I'm not sure. I think it so. might be not and sure. He's he's great at Snoop. He's great in that. The one in this movie, not so much. Um, mm. It's it's a it's a mess of a film. It is aggressively bad, thunderingly dull, bomb-numbingly long. Mm. I mean, agonizingly long. This gets to about an hour fifteen. You thought, sure, this has got to be over soon. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You've got nearly another hour left. Um, it is a film that reminds you of that, that Tupac song, Me Against the World. You think, no, actually, it's Tupac against cinema, and it seems that cinema is winning. So, yeah, I mean, just good God. No, this, you, you, you want Malcolm X. This could be Malcolm X. In actuality, it's movie of the week. And that's, that's a shame, because you know what? It's Tupac! With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. So, I'll be ready for uh, the Super Super Big. Yes. You're going to be in for a, good, in for a treat. So, uh, latest film from uh, Boom John Ho, uh, director of, of course, Snowpiercer. The great oh, that film that we didn't see at the cinema. <laughs> yeah, that none of us have seen at the cinema because it's never been released in our cinemas. Yet you can buy it on DVD the next time you're in Calais for the beer run. Mm. Anyway, so... <laughs> this takes place now-ish, really. It's, uh, it, it centres around an evil conglomerate run by Tilda Swinton, because what other kind would she run? And she's trying to publicly reform the image of this company after her late father and older sister have kind of botched it all up and given it kind of a bad name. Uh, to do this, she has addressed the issue of world hunger, and they have bred super pigs. Literally, pigs the size of... of Epstar was episode two water buffaloes, if you can imagine such That's a thing. That's some big pigs. That's some big pigs, man. Okay. Uh, the idea is that what they've been shipped into different locations around the world to be reared in the customs of, of whatever the regional way is. Uh, they're going to be brought back together after 10 years for this sort of global harvest festival. In the meanwhile, the one that's been sent to South Korea has formed a bond with the little girl who lives on the farm on which it's raised, uh, Mija. And uh, one day, the uh, Mirando Corporation, Tillerson's Corporation, turns up to reclaim the that super pig, whose name is Okja, hence the clever title. And um, and she then discovers that, in actuality, they are going to butcher... <laughs> they're going to butcher Okja. Mm. And she becomes involved with the Animal Liberation Front, led by Paul Dano, as, as these things are, um, who wants to lead an expedition to basically tag Okja and record and expose all the Mirando Corporation's evil goings-on, basically to prove that they are as full of it as well, they know them to be. Here's a clip. The synthesis of old Mirando and new Mirando was impeccable. I took nature and science and I synthesized. And everyone loved it. You remember what the New York Times said about our super pigs? 
Lucy Miranda is pulling off the impossible. She is making us fall in love with a creature that we are already looking forward to eating. I mean, these are journalists who never write about pigs. They never write about pigs. They wrote about our pigs. Ten years in planning. On the cusp of a product launch that will feed millions. And what happens? We get tangled up in this terrorism thing and somehow we end up being the ones who look bad. So Tilda Swinton giving it her all that in a way that only Tilda Swinton can. I love Tilda Swinton. Yeah, me too. Who doesn't? Oh, Who doesn't? It, it's a cold-hearted man that doesn't love Tilda Swinton. Right. Uh, this is uh, obviously directed by Bung Joon-ho. Uh, it's also written, co-written by him with John Monson. Um, who I think the last film he did was Frank in oh, 2014. Yeah. Uh, right, this is really something. I mean, it's less surprising if you've seen Snowpiercer because you sort of you know... know great. <laughs> you know the tone he can go for. And it's a tone that has this sort of down and you know, street-level gritty aesthetic, but combines it with madcap, almost Terry Gilliam-esque flights of whimsy. Mm. And this is no exception to that rule. This, in many ways, does feel like the spiritual successor to Snowpiercer. It is a film that kind of, in the way that that film took on class and brutality, this is a film that takes on environmentalism and corporate greed. Um, it is not afraid to be the most cynical film of the year, either. And believe me, this will stomp all over your heart, Mr. Allen. This will destroy you inside. There, This goes to a level that you sit and think, I, I want to have kids and show them this at an early age, mm-hmm. so I can beat them into submission and let them know that the world is a horrible place. It, it's basically like my girl in that regard. <laughs> you know, our generation had yeah, my but, girl. but it's not super bees, is it? <laughs> not super bees, super pigs, in fact. Um, so, cast... All uniformly brilliant. I will make a slight exception for Jake Gyllenhaal. I think. Oh, I knew a, you were going to say that. No, because he just goes a bit too far with the pulpy, comic-y sensibility. And it just takes it into... I think he's trying to go for what Tilda Swinton had in Snowpiercer. But he's overshot it. And he's overshot it to the point where it's become quite too much cartoon-like. If you know what I mean. Uh, whereas, obviously, Swinton's getting to rein it all in. And you've got uh, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad's in there. I mean, mm. it's not to love with that. Giancarlo. Yeah. Uh, by the way, your man from uh, Walking Dead, Glenn, he turns up in this too. Which one's Glenn? Uh, Stephen Young. From oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know him more for just being Stephen Young. No, oh, fair yeah, enough. It shows like, how much I really care about Walking Dead anymore. Also, you just watch a lot of talk shows, so it, it, it makes complete yes. sense. He's always on talk shows. Yes, yes, but, he is. Uh, so give us a final piece of film news for the radio this week. Where you Last go one. Um, actually, yeah, let's circle back to Han Solo. Maybe we don't need to talk about it in the extras. Okay, let's just finish it off. Finish so it. So it's not just it's not just uh, Miller and Lord, but were the casualties. No, no. Who else has gone? Did you not hear about this? No. Uh, the editor was the, replaced. Uh, okay. Yeah, there was someone else as well. I know they had to get an acting coaching for Alden Aaron, right? That was my second point. Yeah, I don't think the cinematographer was let go, but I think that they had to do some reshuffling as well. This is sounding like I a disaster. Know, I know, um, but yeah, as you but Rogue just, One, just did. Rogue One sounded so like Rogue disaster. One. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, JJ had to really fight to get the release date changed. Yes, because yes, he was the one that was pushing for that Christmas release, mm. and they wanted it in summer. Uh, but yeah, they've had to bring in an acting coach uh, for Alden Air, right? <laughs> not a good. Which, side. as everyone has been saying, it is not uncommon. It's not uncommon, but it is uncommon this late in the game. Are you, are you like me, just envisioning a series of like just a posh Englishman saying, "Would that it were so simple?" Yeah, I think everyone is. <laughs> I'm sure that that, uh, that gift will just be no, set. Oh, it's got everywhere. to be. It's got to be. But, yeah. Uh, okay. Final final film then for the for the radio this week. Let's talk about in this corner of the world. 
which is uh, brace yourselves for this because this is this is a doozy. Uh, this is an an anime drama. It actually comes from manga, the manga label, the proper manga label, and it is uh, this is the story of a young girl in pre atomic bomb Hiroshima and her marriage and her, her basically sort of coming of age drama. She gets married in the years running up to uh, what well, it's late thirties, early nineteen forties. So you kind of see a ticking clock element unfolding as it goes to be fair the film isn't about that the film is very much about the coming of age side about orphans and about finding your place and um well it's, it's really something it got funded through i think indiegogo the animator couldn't find the funding to make this film and has somehow managed to manage to get the crowdfunded income for it and you look at this film you think wow it kind of just goes to show you you never know where these things are going to come from and this is this is astonishing. I mean, this is in in a year of really strong animation because you of all people have championed some great animated films over the last year, like mm. Kubo, and we've had Red Turtle, uh, My Life as a Courgette, which I still need to see. Um, but uh, yeah, it's probably the next animated film on my mm. list. Uh, probably going to see it before Despicable Me Three. Oh, I, don't I mean, doubt. I'll, I'll, I don't I'll doubt. probably watch. Uh, Most films. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd watch yeah. Uh, beloved family members being shot before I'd <laughs> see that. In your case, I literally believe that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in a year of really, st- in, in your know, twelve month period of really strong animated films, this still manages to stand out. This is like Red Turtle good. Mm. It is. Oh, yeah, Red Turtle was really good, wasn't it? And this is heartbreaking. This is really well written. It is just beautifully realised. It's just glorious to look at. And it's a really heartwarming, really touching story. As I say, obviously it is in Hiroshima, so you know certain events have to take place, but say the film isn't so much about that. That's a, it's a, that's a factor in it, but not quite like a big, it's not the big story point. It's more about you know losing people to war and rekindling old loves and things like that. And it worked for me. I thought it was terrific. I really did think it was something. And if, if, you, if you're in the mood for a great work of, of, of anime, then check this out. But, I mean, you, you do purely watch anime, don't you? Yeah, but I never... I don't know, I, I feel like I never really uh, actively choose to watch it myself. Hmm. Someone else wants to watch it, I will be in the room and also watch no. it. I'll watch it if it's on. If it's on, yeah. <laughs> I sound very non-committal, I'm sorry. Fair enough. Um, right, so, film of the week. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it to a man called Uwe. I'm going to give it to Baby Driver. Um, I mean, kind of by default, because it's the only one I've seen. That's week. fair enough. Uh, but I've seen I, three other films this week, though, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Stiff competition. Uh, Stiff uh, yeah, I, I think I would. I would still just give it film of the week. <laughs> That's anyway. fair. Enough. Yeah, I yeah. think to be honest, if you're going to the multiplex, yes, Baby Driver, because you're probably not going to get the chance to see Mankle. Yeah, I think because of who you are in your age, you're pre-programmed to instantly not like it as much as other people. Don't say that because Calvin said to me the other day that the reason I didn't like Scott Pilgrim versus the <laughs> World is that it was meant for his generation, not mine. Despite the fact that we are of the same generation, just nearly a decade apart. So I just different. Generation. That's not a generation. Generation is twenty years. Anyway, I was going to. Po- I then pointed out to him that actually, if it was, if his generation had bothered to go and see Scott Pilgrim versus the World, mm. maybe they would have gotten a sequel out of it. Oh, burn! Yeah, yeah, funny that. You know, I didn't it? say that. You're not. You don't need to direct it at me. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm not Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, fun to come next week. And of course, I think we know what what the biggie is next week. 
you know, does whatever a spider can. Wealth of fame, he's ignored. That, that's spider pig. Spider pig, exactly. The spider pig. <laughs> oh man, that meme's going to get dusted off, isn't mm. it? So yes, yeah, Spider Man gets his literal and figurative homecoming next week um, as he returns to the. Well, not. Re- Returns kind of begins in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, really. Uh, We've also got The Midwife. We've got The Human Surge. uh, We've got The Last Word, Tommy's Honor, Abacus, Small Enough to Jail, and A Change in the Weather. We've also got It Comes at Night, the the Joel Edgerton, uh, creepy Trey Edward Schultz uh, movie. Hmm. Have you you already seen it? I've seen that, and uh, I can tell you there's there's discussion to be had on it. Hmm. It, It's it's a discussion-worthy film. Uh, It ain't get out, but you know what? Not not too far off the mark, but you know we'll talk more about that next week. So in the meanwhile, uh, don't forget to check out the extended podcast edition for more reviews of Riss Keddy, Alone in Berlin, Chubby Funny, um, at least two of which are really good. Um, and, uh, in, and don't forget to check out onscreenfilm.com, go to the competition section and win some DVDs. There's uh, zip stuff. and zap, yeah. zip and zap, and stuff, man. Things. Things. <laughs> uh, in the meanwhile, this has been a candy store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been a man called Oove, and we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, cut. Ah, this is damn good coffee. It is. It, this is rather superb coffee, Mr. Yeah. Arnold, my, my credit to you. I put a bit of coffee, mate, in mine as well. Did you? Yeah, so I've got this cup. Like I find a bit of chicory brings the flavour out. A bit of chicory. A bit of chicory. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Podcast Sections, uh, the the coffee hour. Case and Donnie in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, we're at Film Show, and we've got film news and stuff. There's stuff. There's films man. being made Things. and sequels, and we've got new names. So yeah, new names. New names. So uh, new um, name? uh, Jurassic World. Jurassic World too. Oh yes, it's, it got, it's got a title, and I hate it. It do sucks. You? Okay. Yeah, do, do you like it? I, I didn't really think about it. I'm just glad it's not an R title. That, that's the one saving saving <laughs> yeah. grace. It's Jurassic not like, World Resurgence. Yeah, or... Retribution. <laughs> Regurgitation. <laughs> Raptor time, wasn't it? <laughs> Jurassic World, Raptoring. Oh, <laughs> the Raptoring. Yeah, that's, that would have been better. been better than Fallen Kingdom. Fallen which, Kingdom. I mean, I'm sure that Michael Bay would have copyrighted that for the next Transformers is that, film. Isn't that like... two of the titles? Well, there's... No, it's not. There's not been a kingdom, has there? No, but yeah. I feel like the last night comes close enough. Yeah. But, uh... That's, yeah, I, I don't like that. Uh, they no. did uh, release a teaser poster as well, which is it's just the logo, but no. it does have a tagline, Life Finds a Way. It does. So, that, that excites me. I, I've got another title like change it. for you. Uh, Denzel's legal thriller that he was doing. Oh, yes. This is with uh, Dan Gilroy. Yes. I didn't, didn't realise Dan Gore was doing this. Uh, it, it was called Inner City, and it's now going to be called Roman Israel Esquire, which, given the surname, you can't help but think it's kind of just inviting controversy. Yeah. A little bit. But, uh, yeah, the idea is apparently that Denzel's... A little wordy. A little wordy, yeah. Denzel is an ageing lawyer. His, part, his long-time partner passes away, and he takes a job uh, with a prestigious firm to try and rebuild his life, and then takes on a case with, and I quote, life-changing circumstances. Because oh. there are no oh, other kind. Hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. Hijinks, <laughs> yeah. hijinks ensue. I'll, I'll watch that. Sounds good. I'll watch Denzel do anything. That's how we He's Denzel. Denzel, man. Yeah. Oh, when is uh, the Equalizer 2 happening? Uh, that is happening. It's not happening for next year. I think it was 2018 that was happening Quite possible. Is, is it still uh, Antoine? Antoine. Antoine Antoine, yeah. Fuqua film. Fuqua films, yeah. Um, <laughs> you say that. Can I just point out the director of uh, All Eyes on Me? Do you know his name? No. Benny Boom. Benny Boom. Benny Boom. Oh. <sighs>
I know. So what what would his film company be? Boom, oh, boom something. Of course it'd be like Boom Movies or, or <laughs> Boom Time. Boom Time. A boom Time production. Yeah. <laughs> It'll just say, you're ready for some Boom Time. I feel like his uh, his company should just be called Boom and the ident should just be Boom and then like a, a hand appears on screen drops a yeah. mic. <laughs> <laughs> and then all eyes on me right yeah, exactly um, yeah. although Benny Boom it should be mentioned is the director of uh, the kind of ignored director DVD sequel SWAT Firefight okay yeah believe yeah. it or not they did make a sequel to SWAT SWAT with uh, Colin Farrell yeah. And, yeah. yeah I remember seeing that I remember it's on Netflix pictures. Yeah, you can, you can oh, see it? the sequel on Netflix oh, I, d- I, d- I, d- I don't need to see them <laughs> well, it, it does star Harvey Specter from Suits you know the guy that I keep saying should be Batman uh, it stars him and, and it's directed, of course, by the miraculously named Benny Boom. Benny Boom. Benny Boom, man. So. There are some amazingly monikered directors. Oh, God. Like, I still love uh, F. F. Gary Gray. Or F. Gary Gary, <laughs> as I always call him. F. Gary Gray. Every time I hear it, I just want to go down that Ted 2 route of, what what, what, what Gary Gray ever do to you, man? <laughs> <laughs> It's great. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, another sequel, but cool. it's got a uh, new, new name or title change. Okay. Um, the new uh, Saw film. That was going Ooh, to be yes. called a Saw Legacy mm. is now just called Jigsaw. Jigsaw, which I'm I'm kind of okay with because Saw is still in the title. So. <laughs> Jigsaw, yeah. <laughs> Jigsaw. But, uh, what, what did he see? I wonder. I, th- I feel like there might be an attempt there to kind of mould it in the in, percep- in perception as a new series. I uh, thought that was the idea, yeah. like a soft reboot kind of, rather than making ideal. it clear that you know it is intrinsically a Saw movie. The idea of starting something anew, but with ties to the original, I like that. I'm intrigued by uh, Saw Eight, Jigsaw Legacy, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, We've not really heard anything much from it apart from it was filmed in secret. Yeah, that's what I love. They filmed a Saw movie in secret. Is it fully in the cam? It's, it's fully in the cam. It's, it's October. It's isn't done. It? Well, yeah, traditionally, it's, they always come out yeah, in October. It, it's done. It's 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 yeah. done. It's in three D. It was filmed last year. Um, it stars Laura Vandervoort from Smallville and oh, Bitten. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the first it's, TV Supergirl and uh, uh, Tobin Bell, I presume, uh, yeah, is, Tobin is Bell, back. Yeah. 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 Apparently, he's apparently he's cameo. He's also a very small role, but. Oh. Uh, He's not a big role in those movies, though. I mean, even though he's an integral character, mm. he's a very small character. I always forget that Luke from Gilmore Girls was quite a big part of <laughs> He was, films. yeah. He was a cop for, like, yeah. three of them, wasn't he? Until maybe number five or six. You or? look at the cast in those movies, there's some insane names in those series. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> Chester Bennington. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, also, like, Julie Benz was in mm. one of them. Uh, uh, Dina Mayer as well. And yeah, Wow, there's some surprising names. Of course, Mr. Carey always... Of, of, you know, the, the, one, yeah. the first iteration of Dan Stevens and, and, and your boy, yeah, yeah. and yeah, exactly. That's a good shout, actually. I, didn't, I only just picked up on that. What? The first iteration of Dan Stevens, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dan Stevens is just the new Carrie Always. That's all he is. Oh my god! If you would do, I mean, not that you would, because people <laughs> you did a sequel to Princess Bride. If you did a sequel to Princess Bride, he would, he would yeah. be him. Yeah. Oh no! It's whenever you see him in like, he, Colo- he would be Wesley. Did you not get it in Colossal? And he has that exact voice of Carrie Always yeah, in does. an American yeah. film. I guess I never really put that together. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. I've not watched Legion as as well, so and he's American Matt, isn't he? Oh yeah, I kind of gave up after the pilot of Legion. Apparently, it gets really good. Apparently, it does, but I just thought the pilot did not inspire me. I mean, there's not enough time in the world, is it, to watch all these amazing no. so-called amazing shows? Apart from *A Handmaid's Tale*, which you should watch. Well, I'm waiting to get around to *Glow*. Oh yes, yeah. I'm, Alison um, Brie, '80s wrestling. I'm in. I am yeah. four episodes. In. You four episodes in? Four or five? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty pretty well invested. Uh, Kate Nash as well. No, okay. Yeah, did, not, did not know Kate Nash was an She's an actress. Okay, she's yeah. an actress She's now. good in it, that, yeah. that, That's fair. It's good um, times. Is, is it Kate Nash who had flowers in her hair, or was that someone else? Um, I can never remember. 
she was in she had that in a song or yeah. she actually had flowers the, in her the hair. song I wish I was a punk rocker with flowers in my hair no that's not Kate Nash not Kate Nash no Kate Nash did uh, Foundations pass man pass I, there's a new Halsey album out now at the minute that's what I'm currently digesting I knew really I, I knew about Halsey through watching uh, Roadies, roadies. So, I, thought so. I, I, learned, I learned from Roadies <laughs> But, yeah, uh, but I felt really cool for knowing her for yeah. a while. Now she's kind of taken off. And yeah, she's kind of taken off, and we, we're not cool anymore. So we need another. Because yeah. we're, we're, we're a fan of that show. We've got yeah. canned after one. We, we need another Cameron Crowe series now so we can be cool again. Yeah. But, I'd, I'd be down with Cameron Crowe just doing shows. Yeah, I really would. Yeah. Okay, so let me talk about Risk real quick. Um, because I don't know about you, but I often feel like there aren't enough Julian Assange documentaries in the world. No. No. Like, like I, I need one on a. Yeah, like at least yeah. like a weekly basis. I feel like every documentary that wants to explore the idea that Julian Assange is a narcissistic nutball is something that uh, we need more of. Yeah. Did you hear about the, uh, the Pamela Anderson thing? No. No, she was like proclaiming her love for him the other day. Really? Yeah. Wow. So Pamela Anderson's going after Julian Assange. Yeah. Amber Heard is CJ dating is Elon for... Musk. Um, really? I'd not heard that. Not heard that. Amber no, Heard is in really? a relationship with Elon Musk. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you kind of think uh, I'm in the wrong game. I need to be, she, I, she I need just to wanted be, to get to space so she can get away from joining. I up. need to be an internet billionaire. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, right. So um, this is a documentary from Laura Poitras who gave us Citizen Four. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that, good. That, wasn't that it? won an Oscar. It did. It, it was really yeah, good. That was it, yeah. And that's obviously got a huge audience now because it started appearing on TV every now and again. Um, this is her Assange project. And the idea is, and this was going on obviously before Citizen, the events of Citizen Four, she basically was in the throes of making this documentary with Assange and she started to notice that she was getting hostile treatment purely by her association with Assange. Now, we're led to believe that that is the plot of this film. It isn't. It's actually a surprisingly plotless film that just chronicles what Julian Assange is like to deal with. Mm. Here's a clip that kind of promises you one thing and then delivers another. This is not the film I thought I was making. I thought I could ignore the contradictions. I thought they were not part of the story. I was wrong. They are becoming the story. There's a filmmaker named Laura Portress. Laura Portress is known through the defense community as a documentary filmmaker who's anti-U.S. My detentions at the border have become more aggressive. When I got home, my apartment door was open. Did I forget to close it? Or are they sending me a message? Right. The problem is that as the film increasingly goes on, you start to think, actually, yeah, you probably just left it open. Because there's so much posturing in this film. And admittedly, most of it comes from Assange. There's a sequence in which uh, we are shown what it's like to just sit in a park and have a conversation with Julian Assange. And the answer is a very uncomfortable experience, because every time he hears a twig snap or a dog bark in the distance, he acts like Deep Throat. You know, just like looking over his shoulder like we're skittish. <laughs> is someone coming? Is someone recording us? Uh, and, it, and it gets a bit tiresome. The film literally opens with a sequence in which um, Assange tries to get Hillary Clinton on the phone and he's somewhat offended and outraged that he can't. That is, a, that is beyond his rather limited power. It's worth noting that he's not a particularly known figure at that point. He is just some guy. and some albino fellow. Yeah, he's it, some sort of pseudo-cumberbatch figure that just can't seem to get Hillary Clinton on the phone. I mean, imagine how, how difficult that must be. Um, the film does very little for you. It, it doesn't give you any information that you didn't have already before. I mean, you don't even need to have watched the uh, the WikiLeaks documentary. You, you can pretty much just have watched uh, the, the Cumberbatch... What is it called? The Fifth Estate? 
Uh, yes, with uh, Daniel Ball. With Daniel Ball. Now, mm. I like that film more than a lot of people. I know it tanked spectacularly. Yeah, it was okay. But it was, it was perfectly fine. Yeah, you can get most of this information from that. There's a lot of information <laughs> about Assange out in the world. And this film adds nothing to it. And you come away from the end of it thinking, actually, I'm more interested in the documentary that tells me about the events after we all know them. I want to see a documentary about when he goes into the embassy. When he's forced to live in that sort of weird confinement that he's still in to this day. Yet he's still, you know... Out there, out there as a digital presence. Mm. That's a documentary I want to see. This is really treading water. And you do feel, because there are periodic references to uh, Chelsea Manning, because there are references to Chelsea Manning, who is part of this big three with Assange and Snowden, you kind of feel like this is a stopgap documentary. This is the documentary you have to do in order to then get to the Chelsea Manning one that you want to do and then have your own little sort of self-contained, thematically connected, you know, internet whistleblower trilogy. And as a result, they come away and think... Yeah, as a stopgap, it really doesn't feel like anything more than that. You were basically just killing time, treading water, and I'm not down with that. So, now, Anyway, over to you. News me. A news you, sir. A news me. What can we news you with? Um, right, uh, Glastonbury happened. I'm aware yeah. that it I'm, ju- I'm just reading about this now. This is quite fun. Okay. Um, so, Jeremy Corbyn did a speech. He did, yes. Yeah. Well, actually, I'll type this into two pieces of news. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn uh, did a speech. People loved it because, obviously... It's a festival. Are we now getting a back. Jeremy Corbyn biopic? No, but who would you get to play him? Ooh. That's an Ian, Ian McKellen, I think. But really? Yeah, probably Ian McKellen. Uh, yeah, I could maybe see that. I don't know if he could... Stellan? Um, Stellan do it? St- <laughs> Stellan is just your go-to... No, <laughs> Stellan go to do it. If he's Stellan 50, can only do his own accent. No, if he's over 50, you get Stellan, man. That's how it works. No. <laughs> Stellan is not portly, but um, definitely Rubenesque. Too Rubenesque. Too Rubenesque. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did a speech and was watched uh, from the side of stage by uh, Johnny Depp and Brad Pitt. Yes, I movie do, stars. I do know that Johnny Depp was there. Yes, which leads to my second piece of news. Okay, Johnny Depp has said, Johnny Depp um, been found shot in an alleyway somewhere. <laughs> I would not be surprised by the time of airing of that. My yeah, uh, yeah. He made some maybe less than uh, less good than jokes, thoughtful comments. Yeah, comments about Donald Trump. And I mean, we we often say things about Donald Trump, but we're two people that no one really knows. So that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. No, he said uh, has an actor uh, ever <laughs> assassinated a president? Didn't John yes. Hinckley have, have an acting background? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, that was an attempted assassination. Yeah, but not not uh, not a successful. One, mm. but. So like whether he meant it as a joke or not, I mean it's not helped his career, and his career is is not. On... <laughs> I don't think. I don't think at this stage <laughs> you can use anything of harming Joy Depp's career yeah. except Johnny Depp. Yeah, exactly. I just feel like with things like that, and obviously it's not too comparable, but Tom Cruise being in The Mummy in 2017 and tanking, I feel like we're in the Twilight Zone a little bit, because yep. Johnny Depp was, what, 15, 20 years ago, the biggest... Put it this way, the biggest in, in a day and age of the deterioration of the concept of the movie star, it is amazing to me that one of the only bona fide movie stars we currently have, outside of Tom Hanks, say, is a former wrestler. Yeah. So, I mean... It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. That's insane. But he's incredible. So uh, oh, he is. He's totally incredible. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, former wrestlers, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> you say that because you know he was a former wrestler, or is it just one of those things we just assume he's done? We just assume he's just done. Just assume. Yeah. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> I think that he was just thinking, I'll probably be a wrestler at some point. Just I took because, six months out to some wrestling. And, yeah, exactly. And because... That's what I like to do. I like to go method. I'll I'll go live in Mexico for a year. <laughs> we'll never know who's under the mask. Um, uh, he'll be named as uh, El Oscar Betio. Oh, that'll good be, God. That'll be his name. 
Uh, yeah, we we said last week he has uh, mostly quit uh, acting. Yes, yes, he has. And I said last week, but last time he did this, he left to be a shoemaker. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've heard this. Oh. This time he's going to be a dressmaker. Oh my god! Do you know when he quits next time? Is he going to do wigs? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> just do a whole outfit. <laughs> By the end of this, you're going to have a 90 year old Daniel Day Lewis who can just adorn you from head to toe. Yeah. in in the finest silks and linens. It'll be amazing. <laughs> and then he'll show up to the Oscars to win his fourth Oscar, wearing himself. Of course, yes, yeah, wearing his own clothes that he's designed. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, his next film, his supposedly final film, mm. uh, which is uh, it's going to be called Phantom Thread. No, so it's not nine least two. For, uh, nine two. Nine two. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Uh, yeah, his film with uh, PTA. Hmm. The the good Paul Anderson. The good Paul Anderson. The good Paul Anderson. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, at the moment, it's called Phantom Thread. That might change, but that is about a uh, an aging fashion designer. Oh, go so, figure. Exactly. I feel like he was getting a part for that, and he was like, actually, I'm quite enjoying this. I, I like this Stick more than acting. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Pass me that sewing machine. <laughs> Needle and thread at once. Yeah. So um, let, me, uh, let me talk about Keddy then, really quickly. Yeah, um, it's a film about a cat, isn't it? But no, no, it's not a film about our cats. Several cats. No, it's a film about all the cats. All the cats. I've all got a cat. The cats. <laughs> uh, right, so, the uh, Keddy actually is uh, <clears throat> Turkish for feline or cat. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's a film set in... It's a documentary set in Istanbul. And it follows the Turkish cultural attachment to cats. The idea that... And I did not know this. There's so much I learned from this documentary. I never would have thought... And I've been to Istanbul twice. And I knew none of this. So it's a, I, I clearly walk around with my eyes closed. It's, it's the only explanation. Right. <clears throat> so in Istanbul, they're not big fans of the idea of owning a domesticated cat. They just don't do it because they see it as unfair. What they do instead is they simply have all the cats out on the street and it's up to the community to look after them. You know, so, for instance, we, and we meet different cats as characters. Like we actually follow certain ones and they're given names and, and personalities and, and it, it, it's an intriguing story. There's one, for instance, who hangs around outside a gourmet restaurant... But he's he's quite conservative. He won't enter the restaurant. He's as, as we're told, he's quite respectful. But without a reservation. No, no. You know, he simply pours on the window and asks for food. So, <laughs> and they tell us, well, we used to give him uh, the, the 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 smoked cheese and the smoked meat, but then he decided he really only liked turkey. So now we just give him smoked turkey. And you start thinking, do you know what? If I were that cat, I wouldn't go anywhere else either. That cat's got it made. Yeah. And there's just a cat, living the life. It's true. There's just a cat sat on a chair outside a patio, just occasionally pouring on the window for more food to be brought to him. And uh, and we we see, for instance, there, there's uh, uh, there was a, a local a local fisherman, for instance, who has who just periodically adopts cats, raises them to maturity, and then then sort of sets them free. Wow. Um, there's, for instance, uh, a guy who, in a coffee shop who comes across an injured cat and then takes it upon himself to he has to take it to the vet and have it seen to, and this turns out to be a cultural norm. This turns out to be just the dumb thing, and it's a really thoughtful and considered look at this. Very weird cultural attitude to cats because no other country in the world, so far as I know, does this. And like I say, I've been to Turkey, I've never noticed this. Although I will now, I'm looking for cats everywhere. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it also has, no word of a lie, your favourite ever Turkish movie soundtrack. Which I know it's it's the long list. <laughs> long it, yeah. list. I mean, I I, I had it down. To, what's what's your favourite? My favourite. Well, it's Keddy now. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. <answer. laughs> Funny that. Uh, but yeah, really good soundtrack. You wouldn't think it, but like really bonkers soundtracks. <laughs> is it just? 
Is it is it all songs that have got the word cat in there, but like played for they a synthesizer are. and the noise is just like a cat, it's just meows. It is specially constructed for the film, apparently. Um, yeah. There's one sort of central theme which sounds weirdly like the song the Danish sing in South Park. <laughs> and <laughs> I can't really describe it. Uh, so it's, it's really something, it's 79 minutes long. So you feel like this has been sort of you know, edited down for a little TV length. Yeah. Worth a watch, actually, for sort of a, for the amusement factor of it and just sort of the quirkiness yeah. of it. Seeing a bunch of cats. And also, yeah, a bunch of cats. Yeah. Lots of cute kittens. Don't get me wrong. Don't worry. That's good. They've got you covered, man. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that uh, I'm definitely more of a cat man than a kitten man. Like, I don't, I don't mind you the kittens. You don't like kittens? You're a cat guy. I'm a cat guy. Oh. Every cat I've had, all, all two of them, make it sound yeah. like I've had loads of cats, and they've been, like, nearly grown-up cats first yeah. and then lived... Fat, healthy lives. Well, you know me, I don't particularly yeah. like cats. I think they suck. But well, what about uh, my cat? My cat's got attitude and a mustache. No, your cat's got attitude, that's fine. My friend my friend's cat Nice Guy, uh very good cat. Um <laughs> sorry, the cat's called Nice Guy. The cat is called Nice Guy. Yes. Oh, oh that's not I thought you said nice guy. No, night night guy. Night sky. One word, night sky. N I G H T S K Y, one word. Oh, like look, the night sky. Exactly. I yes. thought it was nice guy. Like, no, no, look, and that, Russell that, Crowe. That cat is immortal as well. That cat is twenty years old. Really? Yeah, that's amazing. But uh, and of course, you know me. I, I'm a dog person. But I definitely uh, want a cat called Nice Guy. <laughs> I feel like you should get two, Ryan and Russell, and call them Nice Guys together. I'll get one. Call it Baby Goose for Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, baby goose. Thank you. That gets that joke gets made in Scorpion of all things. Really? Yes, that goose fellow. I think they call goose him. fellow. I, I call him baby goose all the time. Um, yeah. So this is great casting, and I'm so happy, and I'm even more in the bag for this film. Okay. Uh, Deadpool two has just cast Julian Dennison. Oh, I love who Julian you Dennison. may know from the Hunt for Wilder People, and he played Ricky Baker. Uh, yeah. Was, did you ever see that? Because that's the second film I saw him in. The first one was that Paper Planes. Yes, that's did also. You, did that's you also see that? Ta- is that also Taika Waititi? No, no, no. That's not. It is Australian. Oh, on is New that Zealand one though. with uh, Sam Worthington? Yes, yeah, with the kid yeah. who makes Paper mm. Airplanes. That's the first one I ever saw him in. Is, um, is he good in that? He's very good in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, the kids just got it. And then he honest. just kind of yeah. In Hunt for World of People, he is incredibly funny. Are you he's... hoping, like I am, then, that him being cast in Deadpool two means we're just going to get this foul-mouthed child? Have you seen the photo that Ryan Reynolds just put up? I mean, he's piggybacking him. Yeah. yeah. This is going to be good. This, I yes. can't wait. There for we Deadpool are. I'm, I'm more. I'm definitely more in the bag for it. Like I don't care about the rest of the Fox X Men movies, but Deadpool two. Come on, yeah. bring it on. But yeah. That's great, isn't it? Really good. Uh, Taiko Titi has uh, gone on Twitter to just basically say, yes, this is the best. <laughs> this is such a good idea. Of course, because they're not going to tell Taiko Waititi, are they? Because he's on the other he's side. He's on the other team, but... Yeah. I don't know. I, f- I feel like all those directors just love other... other oh, films. yeah. They, they don't really... Yeah. There's not that rivalry there. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, okay, do you want to tell me about the Peter Parker Iron Man 2 theory that's now been it's now confirmed it's now right, confirmed okay. tell me about it so you remember Iron Man 2 unfortunately right <gasps> and that's coming from you that's coming from me uh, and I don't particularly enjoy Iron Man 2 um, I, I rewatch it periodically because I'll just I enjoy the Tony Stark character he's a lot of fun um, even though I'm just going to put it out there that the whole character arc doesn't make a whole heap of sense in I just Iron remember Man Justin just Hammer slash Sam Rockwell that was fun too I, it's fun but I, I, I find yeah. like you could have done more well bear in mind the character is historically a pensioner so oh, right, yeah. yeah, the character is historically an old man, so it never but made a whole. I, I, I just I feel like he could be like just like a comedic foil that's in multiple films instead of just being like a one and done kind of a thing. 
But um, wasn't Sam Rockwell lined up to maybe be Tony Stark? At one I point, think he was one that? of the contenders. One yeah. of the many that they, I can uh, I can see that. But uh, no. So the idea is that in Iron Man two, there's a sequence toward the end of the film at the. Uh, at the 2010 Stark Expo. Sorry, it would be 2009 because it's set six months after the first one. Um, 2009 Stark Expo, there is a sequence in which the uh, hammeroids attack, as Tony Stark calls them. Uh, the hammerbots actually attack, and Tony Stark rescues a small child, a nine-year-old boy, wearing an Iron Man mask and glove, and obviously the, the droids mistake that as a threat. Um, it's now been confirmed that boy is Peter Parker. And this... It adds nothing to the plot of Iron Man 2, don't get it wrong. No. But the idea is actually now set up that he has always hero-worshipped uh, uh, Tony Stark yeah, and Iron Man. Since he was, since really he small, was a young boy. Which is great. Yeah, which is a really good thing, isn't it? Yeah. I like that. Now, if they could only put some of this thought into, I don't know, the Hulk at any point... You know, oh, they have, but just not in a Hulk film. Just not in a Hulk film. No, yeah. I mean, bear in mind we are we, we are like four films into Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. We still haven't quite gotten to the actual on-screen explanation that when he voluntarily turns into the Hulk, he can control him. That has never actually been said out loud. No, I think we're probably waiting. Yeah, that. there'll be an explanation in Infinity War, I think, the, or maybe later. Oh, I think Ragnarok's going to have to explain that one. That's but, a good point. Yeah, for yeah, obvious reasons, they can, they're like, going to have to switch it off and on. Yeah. I saw that trailer again. I'd not, I'd not seen it for maybe a couple of months. It was mm. on in front of Transformers. Maybe it was on in front of one of the mm, films I saw the other day, yeah. and um, oh, it's, it just looks great. <laughs> looks amazing. I can't wait for Jeff Goldblum. I really can't. Yeah, if ever a man was born to be in a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> have you? I don't. I don't know if we've spoken about this. I don't think we have. Have you seen a trailer for a film called Tour de Pharmacy? No, I have not. Right. Do you remember a while ago I recommended a HBO film to you uh, called Seven Days in Hell, which was a yes, tennis the, mockumentary. Yes, yeah, the Andy Samberg, Kit Harrington thing, which I yes. watched, by the way, and adored. It's amazing. It well, is good. Uh, indubitably. Team, indubitably. Quite. Uh, the team behind that have now done a similar kind of like sports mockumentary yeah. about sort of like a Tour de France kind of thing, oh, but God. about drug doping. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and so we've got an amazing cast. John Cena is in there, of course, as is. like um, as a cyclist that that says, "No, no, I never take steroids." And obviously, he's John Looks Cena. Looks like John Cena. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, there's there's like different like interviews and chats with people. What's this called? Tour de Pharmacy. Tour de Pharmacy. And then right at the end, when is this on? Has it been um, on? No, I think it's maybe next month or maybe oh, in August. Gotta see this. Right at the end of the trailer is Jeff Goldblum in full like l- like luminous cycling gear. <laughs> Be, being Jeff Goldblum. Excellent. Yeah, so we shall, we shall have to watch We that. shall have to. Yeah. Uh, let me talk then about Chubby Funny. Okay. Which is uh, the feature film debut of a relatively unknown actor, Harry Mitchell. And he's one of those, but if you actually see him, you'll you'll wonder whether or not you know him. Now, odds are you actually don't. I mean, he sounds like an Sanders character. Does, doesn't he? Yeah. I don't know if it's uh, the Mitchell part. So, Harry Mitchell plays uh, Oscar. He is a 20-something struggling actor who lives in a one-bed flat with his, uh, his best friend, who's played by Augustus Prue. Another actor that you know if you see him, but you don't know him by name. Do you remember uh, about a boy? Of course I do. Rachel Weiss's kid. Uh, now all grown up. The one that gets, like, really... Yeah. She doesn't love him! She loves me! <laughs> <laughs> 
And then he's okay. And then he's okay, yeah. yeah. Well, he's grown up now. He was recently he was in Prison Break. He's uh, yeah. with Miller's sidekick in Prison Break. He's 29. Is he 29? Well, he stars as the best friend in this. And the idea is that they are both up-and-coming actors. Oscar is struggling because he is forever typecast as the chubby funny friend, hence the clever title. And uh, meanwhile, Gustav Prue's character is emerging as something of a young heartthrob. And the idea is that his success is weighing heavily on, on Oscar. It's having a knock-on effect. It's deteriorating their friendship. In the meanwhile, Gustav Prue's character as well is having... Uh, um, a, a, a crisis of sexuality and has started to think that actually he's gay and Oscar doesn't quite know how to handle that either and the idea in the meanwhile is that, the, so that he's, he's suffocated by his limitations and his lack of ambition in his profession he's intimidated by his best friend's success and the meanwhile a girl enters the equation who prefers the best friend to him as well and so it all comes to a bit of a pass we've got a clip I think I might be the past Oscar, you're a white middle-class male. You literally have nothing to be depressed about. More chocolate, but a bit more nutty. Look, I'm having a tough time at the moment. I'm now. Why does everything revolve around you? You're not gay, Charlie. Do you remember Jamie at university? Yeah, that's at university. Everyone experiments at university. I let Edgar Campbell touch my. It's not the same as I'm not. So he came out, and you told him he wasn't gay. I'm a massive. Obviously, we had to bleep a fair bit of that because mm. it's just one of those was right. This really, this really hit my funny bone, to be honest. And it is dramedy in the old school sense, um, although it does lean more towards being a comedy than anything else. It has its roots in the sort of directionless indie fare of the mid nineties, but with a very British spin. Like you do feel like under you know twenty years ago, like the Weinstein's would have got their hands on this and chopped it into something a bit more refined. But I actually think it, it effortlessly walks the line between having. It's having its heart outright for you to just bask in and also just amusing the hell out of you. Mm. Um, and a big part of that is Harry Mitchell, who actually just does prove to be actually quite likable as this sort of schlubby and I'm going to assume fictionalized take on himself. Um, Augustus Prue, I'm starting to really like as an emerging actor. He keeps turning up in these little roles and actually does leave an impact. I don't think I've seen him since About Boy. I do keep seeing him in, in this kind of thing. If I pull up his, if I pull up his, I'm going to pull up his list on here for you and I'm going to go through the things I've seen him in. Ah, he was in uh, Charlie St. Cloud, about what? High Rise. He was in High Rise, there you ah. go. Kick Ass 2, he was in that. And he does, he just keeps turning up in these things. Uh, High Rise, The Village, Klondike, Major Crimes. And Kick Ass 2, Copperhead, Animals, The Borgias, The Kid. Yeah, so a fair few little things you might have seen. But yeah, I did really like it. Um,. I say, as a as a as a starting direct, uh, directorial effort, I think it's actually really impressive, and I think the the sort of fearless nature that he tackles this sort of self loathing and and the onset of depression, and I think it's really quite clever and really well done. I did laugh through it, and I did. I found a lot of the humour in it, though, I thought was quite age specific. There's a. I don't think, for instance, if I were five or ten years older, that I would have found this as funny as it was. And I think if I were five or ten years younger, I might not either. I think it is an age specific thing, and there's a lot of fun in the relatable banter between the pair, and that for me is. is Kind of its big success, mm. but uh, also it's it's got a weirdly fun supporting cast made up of like solid thefts. So you've got Alice Lowe turns up, for instance. Okay, is uh, Simon Callow in it? Because you can't say that it's a 
Casa Thespson by Sam Gallagher. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being very loose with the term Thess because Dave Benson Phillips is also in this. So, <laughs> from, from Get Your Own Back. Yeah, from Get Your Own Oh, yeah, you, fi- you think, uh, <laughs> I think, you think, think Dave Benson Phillips. I think Phillips. accomplished thespian <laughs> when I hear uh, Dave Benson Phillips. But, uh, <laughs> over to you, sir, over to you. All right, so uh, the Tony Erdman remake is going to be written by uh, Lena Dunham. Yeah, I heard. Uh, how do you feel about this? Um, we we have a handgun around, not power drill. Anything I can use to take my own life. You really, really feel uh, that strongly about it. Look, if there's one thing Tony Erdman doesn't mm. need, you really liked it, didn't you? I really, yeah. I really liked Tony. Mm. If there's one thing Tony Erdman doesn't need, it's Lena Dunham and her air quotes comedy. Um, <laughs> I feel like Lena Dunham just saw that shot of the naked girl in her own apartment and thought, "Oh, I need to get my stamp on that." Yeah, <laughs> that's me. But, but it's or, not. It's Kristen Wiig. So no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah Kristen well, Chris Wiig and, and uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson. Yeah. back from retirement. Yes, so because he, he saw it and then was like, "I'm going to make this." Yeah, the weird somebody th- somebody make it for me, and I will, I will be in it. The weird thing is when you see Tony Urban, you do kind of think, "Yeah, Jack Nicholson could do this." Yeah, and if anything else, it'll be nice to have him back. So that's kind of what I'm. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't hate Lena Dunham, but. Um, yeah, I've, I've not fully caught up with girls, and um, I feel like if I really cared, I would have by now. I kind of gave up with girls around uh, two seasons back, when they took a time jump at the very end. And I've heard how it ends, and I can honestly say I have no particular whim to see that through. So, mm. you know. That's cool. It'll DD, wait for fine. the next series. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that HBO will have something on. Oh, I'm sure. Well, Alison Williams is going to need the work, so... You know. She's great. She's the breakout star of Girls for me. It's all mm. about Alison Williams. Like uh, to hell with Lena Dunham. I, I want to see more of Alison Williams. I mean, get out. She was amazing. She great. could have her own, her own show. Oh yeah, of course. That, maybe that similar kind of. And thing. when we finally get around to doing a proper reboot of Fantastic Four, you know, she is there for Sue Storm. That's all I'm She'd saying. Be amazing as Sue She'd be Storm. Amazing as Sue Storm. Yeah, she really, really would. Opposite John Hamm's Mister Fantastic. I feel like John Hamm would have been great ten years ago. I think he could still do it. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen him in Baby Driver. Yeah. <laughs> I love, see, I love seeing him like that. That haircut is psychotic, yeah. isn't it? It's pimp. It's amazing. It is. I mean, um, and John Burnfall as well. Yes, you tend to forget about him, don't you? But uh, yeah, because he's only. I don't want to no, say too much about it. He's, he's not got uh, that much screen time, but yeah. But he. But with what he what he does, what with he does, great. Yeah. and Flea. Oh Flea, yes, I it? forgot about Flea. Bloody Flea! Yeah. Who, who looked no at the knows. casting list and thought Flea? We'll get Flea for that. Um, probably the Coen Brothers. Probably, yeah. Big Lebowski. I'll tell you what I did like most about Baby Driver. What's that? Jamie Foxx's badass red blazer. I of course one. you loved that. I want one. It's a blazer and it's red. Two things I absolutely love. Did you not love the script, though? Oh, that too. Yeah. Yeah, that too, but, you know, red blazer, man. When he's when he's talking about Baby and, like, why he's listening to music, he's like, he's loony. Buzz with tunes. It's <laughs> uh, so about Goodfellas. Well, I'm, I'm a great fella. There's that great moment I really like in which Kevin Spacey is relaying, you know, their umpteenth mm. job together, and it's the question of, is he paying attention? And he literally just recites off, despite the fact he's clearly not been paying attention, just recites off the... Uh, mm. The uh, the plan, which I think is absolutely fantastic, and also I think Ansel Elgort really sold the hell out of that scene. Yeah. I, I think, to be honest, he needs more credit for that film than he's getting. I feel like a lot of the credit is going to Edgar Wright. Yeah, and I, I feel think like Ansel, obviously he's written it, yeah, and directed yeah. it, but, but Ansel, like, Ansel Elgort's yeah. not getting the recognition he should as a lead, as, a lead. as yeah. its lead. But uh, and have you heard about the new film he's got on the back of it? 
Yes, the JFK one. He's going to be young JFK in yeah, Mayday 109? Yeah, it's um, going to be when JFK was in the Navy and was some kind of like submarine disaster. Or uh, he was attacked. His his, yeah. his ship was attacked by uh, by a convoy of Japanese in, uh, uh, subs, I believe. World War II. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it was apparently one of the most daring rescue missions of the, of the war. Yeah. Which I can't help but feel someone heard Dunkirk was coming and thought, I'm having some of that. <laughs> How well do you think Dunkirk's going to do? Tremendously. Do you think it's going to be like? Well, I've heard. I've heard for one thing, it's nearly silent. Mm. I've heard it's nearly silent. It's the shortest film Christopher Nolan has made yeah, since his first. We did. One. We did this last week. Yeah, uh, as an hour and forty-seven minutes. Yeah, which I think it needs to be really tight for the type of film that it is. I can't wait. I really can't wait. I think though, yeah. it's going to have for the very first time in a Christopher Nolan film, massive generational cross appeal as well. I think there's going to oh, yeah, be. It's sure. really going to appeal to the older crowd for a change, which his films don't generally do. Do you know what film I think Bashir is going to make crazy money and people haven't really factored into it yet? Go on, Murder on the Orient Express. Yes, yeah, I do. I agree with you on that one. That's going to make like Lemis money, isn't it? Well, it's it's a Christmas release as well, yeah. isn't it? So you certainly think that's quite clever because for one thing, that's going to be a PG or a twelve A. I think yeah, yeah I, 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 don't, I don't think I don't think it's going to be fifteen. I would I would imagine it's going to be a twelve A, and it's yeah. going to be one of those, but like the whole family take the, gr- well, yeah. take the grandparents to yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I am as yeah. well. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what <laughs> Kenneth Branagh can do with Poirot. Oh, Cabray, Cabray, that, that mustache. Oh man, that mustache is psychotic. I love it. it, just, love it so that, much. that dude, that dude just looked at David Suchet and said, "Hold my Oakleys, bra," and then just went for it. But uh, no, so so we're talking about Alone in Berlin then. Okay, right. So Alone in Berlin, which is uh, which is set in Brighton of all places. I'm kidding. It's it's totally Berlin. Right. It opens with uh, a young German soldier being killed on the front uh, during World War Two. This is the height of the Third Reich. Uh, This is, uh, I think. This is relatively mid to end kind of kind of time, second half of the war really, um, and the idea is they have the, the Nazis have just conquered France. Uh, Brendan Gleeson is uh, a small time administrator. His, his son, it transpires, who has died at the very at the very onset of the film, and he and the boy's mother, Ms. Emma Thompson, ladies and gentlemen, are both devastated by this manoeuvre. And Emma Thompson basically puts it to Brendan Gleeson of. I, I didn't want to lose my son. This is all because of you. This is because of your war and your your beloved Hitler. And this very quickly sets Brendan Gleeson in motion of a new plan, which is, well, someone needs to point out that these Nazis are bad. So he starts writing the first <laughs> the first elements of a free are we, press. Are we the bad guys? Yeah, it is. Are we the baddies? Yeah. Are we the villains? <laughs> so what he does is he starts concocting these cards, these handwritten cards, and he does it to perfection. He, he misspells things. He does it in a different handwriting to his own. Really cleverly done cards that, that form the basis of anti-Nazi propaganda. And he labels it the free press. And what he does is he keeps going and dropping these cards around different areas of Berlin. And... Um but the idea then is that uh, a police uh, a police uh, inspector comes along, played by Daniel Bruhl, and uh, he proudly proclaims, uh, "You're out there somewhere, Mister Cardmaker Man, and I'm going to catch you." No, you won't. <laughs> and of course, then it, beco- <laughs> <laughs> then it becomes the cat and mouse game uh, between Brendan Gleeson trying to spread the truth and Daniel Bruhl trying to catch him. We have a clip. Workers, since the troops on the front have been so victorious, it's time that those of us at home do our duty as well. Do you donate anything to the Fuhrer? Germany has taken my only son. For you, for the Fuhrer, what more can a man donate than his child? 
Otto. Why are you writing like that? I'm writing cards. Cards that tell the truth. To who? I don't know. People will read these cards. They were passed them on. Yeah, I, I, I would have thought Brennan Gleeson could convincingly play a German, but uh, here we are, and he does it very well. Um, to, be, to be honest, once you get you know three lead actors and you get you know some of the likes of Brendan Gleeson, Emma Thompson, and Daniel Brühl, you know you're in for a solid effort. You you know that that's never going to be an issue with it. The problem really is, um, it, it's very good. I, I can't fault that on any level. The problem is that it does feel very boilerplate. It does feel. Very much what you in the way the Churchill was a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of you know what you're getting, but you're getting nothing more. And it is a question of is that enough? Is the expectation is simply having your expectation met enough, enough of a reason yeah. to see the film? Now, for my money, I I needed something else. I needed a new an element that you couldn't quite see coming, and I, I didn't get that. I mean, I didn't dislike the film at all. I say I very much liked it, but I expected to. I expected Brendan Gleeson, Emma Thompson, and, and Daniel Brühl to give me the performance I get, and you do get pretty much the exact performance you would expect from Daniel Brühl playing a Nazi cop. <laughs> so, I mean, imagine how bad that must turn out. So, yeah, I, I really liked it. Really solidly put together. I mean, can't particularly tell that it's, it, might, it might well have not been filmed in Berlin because it's quite an insular film. But uh, really well staged, really well executed. It has the feel of a very tense stage play. Um, but really nothing more. There's nothing grand and theatrical to it beyond that. It mm. is pretty much a character piece with this sort of suspense thriller element yeah. in it. Uh, you're not going to dislike it. You're not going to be bored by it. But again, you're not going to be surprised. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, do you like uh, Tremors? Tremors? I do like Tremors. Well, I like the first two Tremors. I, I yeah. kind of zoned out with the third one. One of them is a prequel. I think well. you only really need to see the first one. Yeah. Well, the second one has Fred... Uh, he's not Fred Ward, is he? I thought it was Fred Ward. Is it Fred Ward? Yes. Is it, it Fred, is, Ward? Yeah, it is okay. Fred Ward? I get him yeah. confused with the one who plays Phil Dunphy's dad. Um, oh, uh, Fred uh, Willard. That's it. Yeah, Fred Ward Fred and Fred Willard. Willard. Yeah. I get confused. It's like Dick Sargent and Dick York. But, uh, <laughs> or Pullman and Paxton. Or Pullman and Paxton. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, Tremors um, is officially mm. getting that TV series. Oh, wow. With Kevin Bacon. With Kevin Bacon. With Kevin Bacon. Well, you know what? He's doing television now, so that makes sense. Yeah. He following. seems to be like a big fan of it. And I've not... That just reminds me, I'm not started to watch uh, um, I Love Dick. Yeah. Oh, no. I've not seen any of that, yeah. to be honest. It's supposed to be pretty good. But, uh, I know oh, that uh, Jumper is going to be a TV series now as well. I think that'll work better as a show. Probably, yeah. Uh, it's going to be yeah. based on a third novel in that series called Impulse. Impulse. And it's going to be out through YouTube Red. Oh, right. So, <laughs> no one's seeing it. So, yeah. yeah you know. I don't know anyone that subscribes to it. No, I don't know anyone. It's like Windows Phone users. I don't know any yeah. of those. Are you there? Are you listening to this on a Windows Phone right now? <laughs> it's like it's Windows Phone users, uh, Underworld fans. Um, oh yeah, YouTube Red subscribers. These people don't exist. Mm. They're they're a, they're a fictional creation of marketing people. <laughs> you know? That's it. There's no such thing. It's all made up. Um, apparently, Kevin Feige has turned around and said they are looking to do something with Blade in the future. In the future. In the future. I don't think it will be a film. I think Netflix series. I think it'd be way better as a Netflix because I mean I don't think it was it wasn't really Marvel that show was it? No, we did a we did do a Blade show. No, it was FX, wasn't it? Someone yes, like? but I feel like if you do like a Marvel Knights style yeah. on well, Netflix, Punisher, be, I mean, a similar kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and if you could just get Ghost Rider as well. Do well, Ghost they've Street. got a Ghost Rider now, so yeah. you know, and he was very good actually on Agents of Shield. But no, if, I think you do you do actual Johnny Blaze. Oh yeah, yeah, because they have they did establish Johnny Blaze in Agents of Shield as well. Oh, did they? I thought it was just the other guy because it's not. No, Johnny Blaze gave him the powers. Oh, right. Johnny Blaze existed and gave 
uh, Reyes. I think it's mm. Reyes. Um, the because he's, he's got a car, not a bike, isn't it? Yes, that's his thing, because yeah. that's the updated version of the character. Yeah. Um, that uh, Tom Hanks movie hits Netflix this week. Remember that? Yeah, the Circle. What the Circle? Because Mad. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going to get buried under Okja, isn't it? That's crazy, but like, it, it didn't have a theatrical release of it. I was, no. I was waiting for it because it I know it bombed in the US. I know it bombed in the US, but I like James Pontal. I like the director. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was intrigued to see, you know, what uh, John, B- John Boyer would be like. Yeah. Uh, Neve Campbell has joined Skyscraper. I heard this. This is a, a Dwayne Johnson-like <laughs> diehard movie, isn't it? Yeah, but apparently it goes a little bit further, because I thought it was all just going to be set in a skyscraper. I thought that. And the skyscraper was going to be on fire. <laughs> Apparently that's how it starts, but he also he gets framed for starting it. Does he go into space at any point? I, I don't feel know. Like that's... He, just, he goes on the run in China. Oh, okay. I'm in. Yeah. I'm absolutely in. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely seeing it. Yeah. yeah. DJ got my money, man. <laughs> uh, can I talk about the new Hugh Jackman movie? Uh, yeah, this is the political This thing. is the political one. This is the, the, the front runner, and this mm. is Jason Reitman's next. Is it? It is, yeah. Um, right, do you know the plot of this? No. He's going to be the former Senator Gary Hart. Are you aware of the career of Gary Hart? Because this is a doozy. Not off the top of my head, no. Gary Hart was a standing senator for, I think, Colorado from the late 70s to the late 80s, and he made two runs at the White House. The second time, which was in 1988, you might remember who won that one, uh, George H.W., uh, he was considered at the time to actually be the front runner, hence the clever title. <laughs> and I need to stop saying that this way, hence the clever title. Um... However, he was brought down... One of my favourite stories ever, this. Uh, he was brought down by accusations of infidelity. To which... <laughs> right. But, I mean, as, as 2017, but it helps. 2017, this is basically what you... It's like a requirement of running for president. <sighs> yeah. But his response, and this is in reality, was to turn around to the media and say, you know what, it's nonsense. Follow me. Tail me. And you'll see. There's nothing to prove. What happened? They then photographed him on a yacht with a model. Yeah. Oh, so she wasn't a model. Yeah, just a woman. But, uh, yeah, and that brought him down. He then went on, would you believe it, to serve on... Uh, what well, he was a security advisor to the second Bush administration, wound up pre-warning them about 9-11. Have a guess how that went down. Mm. And uh, then when 9-11 actually happened, and he was proven right, got put on the Homeland Security Advisory Council. Hugh Jackman is going to play this guy. That sounds like a very interesting it story. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, and it goes on for a while as well, so there it, could be like does. several interesting arcs yeah, within it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, peaks and troughs. And I feel like this This is what we do until we can get Edward Norton to star in Wiener the movie. But uh... <gasps> That's great casting. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> that was just on the top of my head. <laughs> but you'd have to kind of, you have to get him a, a pretty severe fake tan. You would a bit. <laughs> also, I don't think Edward Norton could quite pull off the whole Jew angle quite as well. But uh, yeah. Yeah. you could get Justin Theroux. Oh yes, mm. he's good wiener. <laughs> mm, that's good wiener. Mm, good wiener. <laughs> what else we got? Um, Hellboy. We know that is being remade by uh, Neil Marshall. It is indeed. Yes. yes. Uh, who has now said that they're going to prioritise their practical effects over CG ones, which is a good approach. Like the answers a big question, doesn't it? Mm. About exactly how are we doing Hellboy this time? Yeah. We can do it the same because that worked. Oh, I don't yeah. think, I don't think yeah. anyone had a complaint about Hellboy's physicality. No, and they've already shown... I think it was on David Harbour's uh, Instagram. David Harbour, who was... Yeah, who was playing, playing Hellboy. Hellboy. Now, yeah. Um, yeah, we showed him, like, getting a big, like, plaster... Yeah! Plaster mould thing for, for the hand. Right-handed doom, baby! Yeah, so I don't think we're going to lose any of that stuff. Uh, it's definitely going to be an R-rated 
affair as well, which is yeah. pretty great. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm completely there. Yeah. Uh, what I am looking forward to as well, Ad Astra, the new sci-fi movie that's going to star Brad Pitt yes, as um, an autistic space engineer. Yeah. Who sets off to sets off on a journey to is it Neptune? I think so. Where his dad went missing years earlier. The dad now gonna be played by Mr. Tommy Lee Jones. Jones, the happiest man in Hollywood. Mm. Um, well yes, isn't he? <laughs> Cheerful man. I really hope it's just his same character from Space Cowboys. Oh, I do. Yeah. Because like they just left him there, didn't they? They kinda of did, Space yeah. Cowboys he was his and... sacrifice player, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Nickelodeon are reviving Rocco's modern life as a TV movie. Great, I love that. I love that show so much. Do you know the plot of the TV movie? Uh no. They've been lost in space since 1996. They come back and have to adjust to the 21st century. One of my favourite theme tunes of all time. Oh, yeah. Rackers, yeah. uh, Have you heard about Valerian's funding? This is my favourite story of the week. It's something to do with the fact that they can't fail. Well, it's Be- near yeah. failure. But it's way, it would How? have to be the greatest flop in history mm. to lose money. Because 96% of its $210 million budget is covered. It's how, covered, how is it covered through pre-sales. Luke Besson pre-sold the hell out of this film to every possible format in every, every corner how, of the world. What do you mean? How has he done that? He sold, like, for instance, the streaming rights, the TV rights, everything in advance. He has covered all huh. but $8.4 million. So like, he called up Netflix and was like, I'm making this. <laughs> you can have it as soon as it comes out. <laughs> like, well, yeah. yeah. So the That's, film cost $210 million. Um, Now, this is excluding marketing, That's obviously. That's a big budget. There is $8.4 million of this budget that this film needs to recoup. And that's it. That's all it is from, from Europa Corp. This is the easiest hmm. sell ever. A film that says on its poster, from the director of The Fifth Element, win. You know, that, that's totally going to work. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because Lucy, Lucy did really well. It did, didn't it? Yeah. And yet... Yeah. And yet, Ghost of Michelle tanked. <laughs> it's weird, like... What was the selling point for Lucy? Was it the fact that it was from Luke Besson or the fact that it was... Scarlett Johansson kicking ass? Yeah, in a in a lead role. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's one of those questions for the I ages. I didn't hate Lucy. I didn't hate right. it. It wasn't blown away, but it was perfectly yeah, serviceable. It's kind of limitless with Morgans, and that was exactly. cool. It was limitless yeah. with boobs. Limitless um, with boobs. And and it had Morgan Freeman uh, reading some science. <laughs> and you know, Here is some exposition. <laughs> the human mind is a wonderful thing. <laughs> it's pretty but smart, But we only use 9% of it. Yeah. Uh, right. What, uh, what I did love about those three films I saw, there was always one character that was just like Professor Exposition. Oh, God, yeah. So in Transformers, it was... Your boy, Sir Banton Hopkins. Yeah. Um, A-Hop. A-Hop, man. Yeah. Um, Book of Henry is kind of an interesting one. Just, just Henry, isn't just it? Just Henry. It was just yeah. like, yeah, what's going to happen? Book of Henry. And then Russell Crowe. You know, we were talking about the timing of Book of Henry and how it fell victim a little bit to the Lovely Bones. You know what else mm-hmm. kind of stole its thunder? 13 Reasons Why. Oh, yeah. That really stole its thunder. But Okay, one final piece of film news I want to, I want to close this with this week, um, because I have a feeling you might have some stuff to say on this. The new head of Warner Brothers... Um, are you are you aware of this man at all? I don't think so. Right, uh, Emmerich, Toby Emmerich, who used to run New Line. No relation. Brother of Noah Emmerich, uh, the actor. Not I don't, oh, so not right. Yeah, no, not 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 Roland. Not Roland. Yeah. But, uh, right. So, when I think Emmerich, I think Roland. Yeah, yeah of course you do. But Noah Emmerich is character actor. You might remember from films like Frequency. Oh yeah, he's in um, JJ. What's the JJ? Super Eight? Yes, he's the, he's the colonel. Everyone's always in Super He's the army guy. But uh, yeah, so his brother runs New Line. 
And, huh. uh, well, ran New Line. Mm. And, of course, New Line has a reputation for, you know, lean, efficient, low-budget, kind of action-y, <laughs> thrillery yeah. films. Slash Lord of the Rings. Slash occasionally Lord of the Rings and the occasional horror movie. Yeah. Right, he now runs Warner Brothers. Has, huh. done for, has done for, like, six months now. He has turned around and said, right, going forward, I've got a plan. Uh, less of this ridiculous budget nonsense. Less of these problematic of tour ah, directors. Yes, it now it's going to be directors who can do the job, get it done, get it done on yeah, time. jobbers. And, yeah. Yeah. Jobbers, basically. And the only people who are safe, apparently, are like Clint Eastwood and Christopher Nolan, because they have a history of basically doing the yeah. job, being nothing all, Being more. autists, that kind of a job. Yeah. yeah, on time and under budget. And you think, okay, he apparently wants to do New Lineify Warner Brothers. Now, the craziest mm. part of this for me is that apparently this will not affect existing franchises like Harry Potter, Lego, and the DCEU. Which is surely the one franchise that costs them all the all the real ducats. Yeah, which could probably use yeah. his inputs. Could probably use his ruthless efficiency. So like, I don't understand like who they're supposed to be targeting. Exactly, like, Gavin, but, Gavin O'Connor. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, we're go- we're going after like Sean Anders the next time we need a horrible <laughs> yeah. bosses three. You know? Yeah. It's like, who are you going after if you're leaving the DCEU out of this? Mm. I understand Fantastic Beasts because no one has an issue with that series, really. Yeah, and also David Yates gave them all the money. Yeah, David Yates has pretty much built that studio for the last decade. Yeah, and fair enough, if Tarzan doesn't work... You may you may you may good on Fantastic Beasts. Well, they turned around and said like you wouldn't make uh, the judge now for sixty five million, maybe thirty five. Mm. You think well, yeah, because sixty five million for the judge is a completely ridiculous amount. Of is money. that how much that film costs? Yes, it's amazing when you look at so it. So, how it? much did RDJ get? How much did RDJ? Bear in mind, he produced it, and developed it, founded it, produced with, with it with his wife. Susan. With his wife, yeah. yeah. So, Team Downey produced that. Literally, the name of their company. It's weird. Like I can really only imagine. Um, those two and Robert Duvall really getting paid the big bucks. <laughs> and even then, I don't think Robert Duvall would have really carried much. Uh, we did get yeah. an Oscar on for it, so... It's a good performance. Yeah, it is a very good performance. Yeah. I, did, I didn't mind it, but I thought it was all right. It was just... It was a bit... Yeah. So, interesting times ahead at Warner Movie Brothers. of the week, isn't it? It is a bit. Interesting times ahead. Uh, they may finally become the studio I've always wanted them to be again, because I remember Warner Brothers in the 90s being the great studio. Uh, I mean, it was one of those games, things like Outbreak and stuff like that, you know? I miss that. <laughs> 90s adult thrillers. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Because oh, there's a, how much of a void in the market is there for grown-up thrillers? Did they release the Sphere as well? Yes, they did do Sphere. Yeah. <laughs> so any time Dustin Hoffman wanted to get a bit... Exactly. A bit blockbustery. Exactly. Every time, uh, every time D. Hoff wanted, uh, <laughs> wanted a star and role, he just called up his buddies at Warner's and... Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they might become that again, and they might save some money in the process, and the only black smudge against their name forevermore shall be the DCEU, occasionally lightened by the spurious by light shone upon them by someone like Wonder Woman. You know, of course, you know, we'll not see any positive outcome from Wonder Woman until probably Aquaman, but aside from that... Yeah. So you're still on the... On the fence about Justice League. Justice League is gonna suck. I don't care that Joss Whedon's doing post production. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna suck, but I can't. I can't envision a world where I'm gonna enjoy it. I can't. Well, I I, I sort of find that synonymous mm. with sucking. But yeah, do you think that? Um, no, they're two, they're two separate things to me. Yeah, fair. Yeah, do you think that uh, Miller and Lord will return to the Flash? 
I think that's the only thing that could possibly get me interested in a Flash movie. Yeah. You have the same love of the Flash TV series that I do, so I'm sure even you find it superfluous and pointless. Yeah. It's a Flash movie. You've got a multiverse. Just get Grant Gustin in. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah. Just yeah. get him in. You've, and- you've established a world. Yeah. You've got these amazing supporting characters. Have People Grant Gustin- deserve to be just in a film franchise. Have Grant Gustin turn up as that universe's Flash. This yeah. is rocket science. He's still the Flash. He's just a different one, but just get the same guy. Do you think maybe that's what they did think about? They had to. They had to do this. And, like, and we'll we'll get like a post credit sting right at the end. We'll if, have Ezra Miller and Grant yeah, Gustin. If there's not if there's not going to be a casual a, a side nod that just has Grant Gustin zip through a portal or something and then go oops wrong universe and pop out, <laughs> then what is the point of doing one? Mm. But <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> Uh, on which note, anyway, you want to cue us out for this week? Here it is, your moments of cage. I was trying to get on the map. I was, a, I was, a, I was, I, I started at 15, and I was trying to make a big noise like punk rock and say, "Look at me, I'm, I'm here," you know, and I want you to remember me.